general nerdery. God, that hasn't happened in a while. I forgot that I'm the one that starts this podcast. Um, <laughs> ooh, we are recording at a different time than we normally do, and that is throwing me off. But welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us is my brother from another mother, our my best bud, the Yaga Malark. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Yay, you're finally on. <laughs> We've only been discussing this since you joined Earworm, like, what, two years ago now? Uh, you know, a plague happened. It's yeah, right. no, there's... <laughs> Probably technically before. Oh uh, yeah. You were you've been on since or you've been on our like list since forever, but it was faded. Well, yeah. Uh it was faded and it's hard to get Zach to talk about 40k. It's mm. also hard to get Malark and I in the same room at the same time, despite how close we are, because we run and this is the problem we had when we were on the podcast together, exact opposite schedules. I'd get up at four AM being like, This fucking sucks, and like I have a text from him, send it back. He replies immediately, I'm like, oh, god damn it, he hasn't even gone to bed yet. <laughs> I work at night, so... Yeah, yeah. no, 100% opposite. Um, Fun. Malark, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I just got done uh, with my students. I do a gladiator program where I go and I, I whip some high schoolers and uh, teach them how to fight in the process. And, we should uh, explain, he does foam fighting with me. This oh, is yeah. Bellegarth stuff. <laughs> um, I just be he's just not kicking high schoolers' asses out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. I will you s- got to. <laughs> I will say... I picked him up from the high school today, which one was just funny to me. And then two, sitting outside the high school as a very bald 30-something-year-old man just waiting and, like, trying not to make eye contact with anyone, being like, I promise I'm not a weirdo. But it's almost better going in there with my garb on because then I look less threatening. I mean, yeah. I'm still. Yeah. You are a weirdo, but, like, but we're not. Like, right, we're not for that kind of weirdo. Oh, you know, he's he must be here to do something. But if I would just walk around like jeans and a t-shirt, being like, "Thup, I'm here to hit kids," they'd be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's been a long time since we haven't had a recurring guest on. Yeah, Malark. What are your nerd bona fides? God, I forgot bona that we did that. Fides. All right. Well, <laughs> I have been a nerd since I was a wee one. I. In, in terms of reading, I've always read, um, I don't know, it might be geeky or nerdy things. I, I enjoy old books. I enjoy old literature of all sorts, especially when, you, when it deals like with religious manuals and uh, military science stuff. It just absolutely fascinates me. And so I've been talking about stuff that my peers didn't understand for a long-ass time. Uh, of course, was a part of the Lord of the Rings craze. I was going to say, uh, you're a big there. Tolkien guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lovecraft, when we're ignoring all the racist crap. And we had a whole episode about that. Did actually. you? Yeah, yeah. yeah Your yeah, fame you is know. problematic. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like gaming and that sort of thing, <laughs> Cthulhu, yeah, and Reanimator right next to you. Oh, Sorry, we're talking about Distracted. a bunch of things that our listeners cannot see. Right. Oh well. Gosh. Like the room is decked out. It is. <laughs> it's very. I, I, I can testify to this. But yeah, I got, of course, I've done D and D and that sort of thing. And then in high school, I got into Bellegarth, which I'm sure Thumbs has talked to you about uh, in terms of just the the whacking people with the foam sticks. So we met Malark and I met together my freshman year of high school, his sophomore, because we were in Fahrenheit 451 together as an after school play. So let that just sit as nerd creds for a moment there. We were, we were techies, and then at the very end, I got to be Dostoevsky. Yeah, we got, like, two speaking lines each, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we moved a couch. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and then one day, I'm playing Bellegarth out at Bonner Park, and I look over, and a dude just drops out of a tree. That was me. And I was like, hey, Nick, what's up, buddy? He's like, what are you doing? And, like, you had that kind of, like, head tilt thing that you did at the time, because we were, you know, edgy 16-year-olds in 2003. And I was like, you know, I think you would like this. 
And I was right. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And so, yeah, I've, I've been doing that ever since. Uh, been all over the, the country doing that. And then Warhammer 40K is a more recent love of mine. I've mm. apparently doing it for like five years. I wouldn't have told you that, except time gets weird as you get older. Well, um, also COVID. There, I yeah, keep having the thought COVID of like, time. I just started this thing. Like, you started before COVID. That was three years ago. Right. <laughs> Compressed time. That's right. That's right. But yeah, so, uh, and I, I've, I've enjoyed that. I've played just about every army there is uh, in terms of 40K because I've, you know, bought an army, sold an army, bought an army, sold an army, and uh, I absolutely love it. And so I, most of these things are still true. I still read old books. I still talk about said books, and I still like to push little plastic figurines on a table. So <laughs> fun. I think those are my bona fide days. All right, before we get into 40K, though, what have we been ingesting this week? Okay, I have another big week, because I was feeling under the weather again earlier this week. Was so Elden I ended Ring up with... again? Okay, there was, a lot of... <laughs> there was a lot of Elden Ring, but uh, I will leave it at, uh, I just got my three big bosses, basically, nice. Moog, Lord of Blood, um, the Fire Giant, and Millennia, Blade of Mikola. I think you would like this game from what I've seen of it. But I've heard that it. it's a lot like Dark Souls, and I enjoy my games to not stress me out further because like <laughs> life is stressful. It's already. not as stressful. <laughs> no. So okay. that's the brilliant thing. I tried Dark Souls, couldn't get into it. Uh, I tried a, a bunch of the FromSoft games, couldn't get into it. This is the first mm-hmm. one I was able to get into because they fixed the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. It's truly an open world. Oh, nice. Okay. So if you get stuck on a boss, you're not bashing your head against a fucking wall repeatedly. You can go. You can and just fuck off and do something else for a bit. Uh, level up a little bit more or something. Okay. Dark Souls Skyrim edition. Okay, okay, that's a little bit better. Oh yeah, you're a huge Skyrim guy. I that's the thing Skyrim. we left out. Um, oh yeah, I video game like a mother. I, <laughs> I, I love you know, Skyrim, Inquisition, ESO, um, anything except for most FPSs because uh, the whiner... Whiny shooter boys are just, I'm over them. They're nasty. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I definitely get that. There was a lot of Elden Ring. No, actually, what there was a shit ton of was Marvel shit. Finally watched Black Widow. It's good. It's it's fine. It's not revolutionary by any means. I, had I fun liked it, it, but my my problem throughout it all was my brain kept wanting to check out based on the fact that it all should have happened six years ago. That 100% agree with you there. Uh, watched Eternals. How was it? I, saw I liked that. it more than Black Widow. Fair enough. Um, it doesn't need to be as long as it is, mm. by any means. Most three-hour movies don't. Oh, Lord. It needs I to... I don't know if it's full, three, but it's long. It's close. <laughs> it's long. It needs, uh, like, 500% more Black Knight. Usually, yes. Uh, who needs to be 500% more of a mess. <laughs> 100% yes. Uh, the guy who plays Jon Snow okay. in yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Kit Harington is set up to play a Marvel superhero named Black Knight who is cursed with a evil sword and has to fight the evil sword to keep him from going into becoming a murder machine. And because of this, he is a shit the show? worst. <laughs> so this is an allusion to masturbating being good. Is that what I'm, I'm sure? Yeah. If that's, what, if that's the lesson you want to get from it. Um, and I don't know. Like it was a extremely well done movie overall. But I think any every movie that's going to try to introduce a team like needs to take lessons from James Gunn at this point on how you introduce a team in ten minutes and then move on. Because mm-hmm. there's there, the people you're used to it. Let's go, Guardians of the Galaxy had that a lot shit of down. fucking Eternals, and you don't even meet all of them till like halfway through the movie. And most of the Eternals are pretty forgettable. I yeah. know this because I've read Eternals, and I can only name like two of them. 
However, I th- I think I enjoyed it more than Black Widow. Fair like, enough. It was it was pretty dope, really, when it comes <laughs> down to it. I read everything Jason Aaron Avengers. Oh, so that's fifty plus issues yes. in a weekend. In two days. Two days. Uh, loved most of it. I feel like it gets weaker towards the end, but I don't know how much of that's his fault and how much of it is like there was a bunch of events going back to back and it makes the team book weaker. It suffers from that. Also, there was the big uh, Heroes Reborn crossover and he was going to do a big team change that just happened. And that in-between point is usually a little rough in a team book. What's that new thing, though? The Avengers Infinity? Is that Uh, the new... uh, Avengers Forever. Forever. It's real good. Fucking loving it. Fucking loving it. Um, Tony Stark Ant-Man is great. And you just say Tony Stark Ant-Man? Avengers Forever is a book that's the Avengers across the multiverse. Oh. So it's a Tony Stark that became an Ant-Man with a little the Iron, Iron Ant. Ant robotic thing to hang out with him. And a ghost rider who travels across the wasteland punishing the wicked. While also kind of being like a Mad Max Avenger. Yes. Huh. It's Mad Max Ghost Rider. Okay, okay. Also, that's Aaron Cooter on the art, who's gotten really fucking good. Oh, and uh, just because I've mentioned how much I love the series before, and I'm kind of embarrassed that it took me this long to actually get around to the spinoff, I finally watched Human Resources on Netflix, which is the spinoff of Big Mouth. Um, it's actually more emotionally poignant than Big Mouth, but I didn't like it as much. Although, uh, it did make me cry, whereas Big Mouth didn't, so. Interesting. Well, I didn't know it had a spinoff, even. There, yeah, well, well, since Big Mouth is basically just, like, puberty up, inside out. So it's, you have personifications of all the emotions going on. In but much it's like, like horniness. Except, uh, it's by far the raunchiest show I've ever seen in my fucking life. Well, like, far and away. You have HBO, right? <laughs> yes. This is beyond. It uses the craziness of... Uh, animation to be able to get to like some it's very uncomfortably true Hmm. like the things that hormone monsters are telling the kids to do you're like oh yeah I remember feeling that as a junior high kid (laughs) so the spinoff human resources is more about all of the creatures the hormone monsters the anxiety mosquitoes the depression kitties the shame wizard yeah these are all just things yeah no that all even not having seen the show, I can identify moments that I would have encountered any of those. And I don't know. It's one of those shows that I think it, it picked the wrong main character to follow. Yeah, that happens. And I kind of didn't care for the most part, but it had one episode that was just so fucking beautiful where this character's grandma, who's been battling Alzheimer's, dies. Mm. And it follows her journey. As all of her creatures leave her, except for her love bug, who's just continually showing her the things she loved throughout her life as she's on her way out. And That's a lot to drop on someone in a 20-minute animated comedy. And then uh, at the end, uh, transfers to uh, her trans granddaughter, who's one of the best characters in the, city, in the series anyway. And holy fuck, erect me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that sounds like a trip. <sighs> Let's see. What? And that's it, yeah. Yeah, what did I... Um, I did... Oh, I started Strange New Worlds, the newest Star Trek. Ooh, okay. It is so fucking good. 
And I mean, like, okay, you've listened to the show before. You know that I am biased as fuck when it comes mm-hmm. to Star Trek. But I went in, I went in knowing the show was going to be good because they've just been knocking it out of the park with every series so far. I haven't watched Picard enough to say, but all the others I've watched have been good. But I went in, like, kind of fighting how good I was pretty sure it was going to be because I kept reading reviews being like, this is the Star Trek show we actually wanted, not all the ones we got before. I'm like, no, fuck you. Those shows were great. Those are great Star Treks. What are they talking about? Um, And these mean, like, Discovery, uh, uh, Lower Decks, the stuff that's come out within the last, like, five years. okay, okay. Which you would love. I will get them to you. You would love them. Okay. Lower Decks is the strongest first season Star Trek anything. Oh, easily. That one's Easily. just about the like the the the, the plebes, right? Just yeah, like the random it's like people. the three lowest ranking people on the ship. Nice <laughs> on the ship that specializes in second contact. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, but it actually make, takes the time to tell really good Star Trek stories while doing that. So mm-hmm. there's still you know, here's a sentient talking nebula, nebula, and we're not sure what to do with this, or here's a virus or whatever. But Strange New Worlds is a prequel to the original Star Trek. Okay. In the first pilot, before Kirk was captain, there was a character named Christopher Pike. Mm-hmm. That show did not get picked up, but they liked it enough that they cast a new, uh, they let them do a new pilot, rework it a little bit, and try again. The only returning character was Spock. Mm. So, and they like instead of redoing this, they just said that that was a the previous captain of the Enterprise before Kirk took over. Okay. And they actually did basically a clip show episode where they used bits from that as, like, Spock is on trial. Uh, but So they made this Pike canon, but we'd never seen much of him. Um, and he showed up in Discovery, which was really good, so they gave him his own TV show. And while Discovery has been long-form storytelling... Like, the whole season tells one story, or uh, Lower Decks is a comedy, and Prodigy is a kid's show. A good kid's show, but a kid's show. Mm-hmm. This is the one that is, like, classic Star Trek format. Each episode is a one-off. Characters have their own ongoing arcs, but, like, we've come to Planet 7. <laughs> These guys are about to go to Civil War. Let's do this shit. Like, um, mm-hmm. and it does... As much as I have argued that the the new Star Trek shows are doing things that we have needed for, you know, Star Trek to exist in the modern day, it does my soul good to have, like, one-off moral lessons. Sure. And uh, in the Civil War episode, like, these people have created a bomb and they're going to kill each other with a Civil War, yada, 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 you know, Star Trek plot number seven. Right, right, right. Um, Pike beams down and starts showing them moments from Earth history as, like... This is what will happen to you if you don't shut up and, like, listen. Sit down and negotiate. And they showed fucking images from the January 6th insurrection. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 And it's not much, but man, Fox News was pissed off and I was here for it. (laughs) And they put up the most Fox News headline of all time of, Star Trek has gone where it's never gone before. Woke politics. (laughs) Have you... Have you seen Star Trek Clearly like the whole not. time? They're it's, talking about this like socialist utopian future where everybody works for the the greater good and all things are provided for. Like, what about like raging capitalism? Did like I don't I don't what? It's in the same way that Ted Cruz is a big Star Trek fan, but only of the original series because Kirk was macho. Yeah, my racist grandfather too. They're <laughs> watching, and then, like the next second, be like those damn communists, and it's like, Grandpa, are you are you serious? Right now? Uh, no, it's real good. Um, the actor who plays Spock is my second favorite Spock actor. 
like Zach Quinto in the new movies does a really good job. I don't want to insult him. Mm-hmm. And this guy's not Leonard Nimoy because that's just fucking unfair. Who could be? Yeah, except yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Only yeah, Leonard yeah, Nimoy. Yeah, so, it's <laughs> so it's, you know, he's going up against an impossible standard, but he's been knocking everything he's been doing out of the park. Nice. Uh, in the same way that there's a character playing Uhura as a cadet, and I just feel for that woman forever. She's doing a great job, but she has to play the character that Martin Luther King was a personal fan of because she was so good for representation. Mm-hmm. Talk about the fucking pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You'll be fine. Right? <laughs> no ulcers popping up over that one. Uh, and then just yesterday, I finally started listening to a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies. Not a BDSM podcast. Oh, damn. Mm. <laughs> Literally, that's what they did. It's a actual play D&D podcast. We listen to people play D&D. And the plot line is kind of amazing. And it is for, it's basically an isekai anime where someone gets sucked into another world. And it is these four normal dad stereotypes that accidentally get teleported into the world of Forgotten Realms Mm. where they have to go save their children. Oh. Oh. Uh, And Mm. like, you know, one is a uh, uh, like granola crunching Bernie bro hippie dad. And it's a stereotype, but it's also like. We all know that dad. Yes. We live in Missoula. We've met that we, dad. We know that mm-hmm. dad. My dad was pretty close to this yeah, dad. Yeah, I was just thinking about your dad. <laughs> uh, not quite the same, yeah, but close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who finds out he's a druid, or there's the like stay-at-home soccer coach dad, like unemployed, but he calls himself mm-hmm. stay-at-home dad, who becomes a barbarian, and his the things that he uses to activate his rage is the fact that his son never listens to him and his wife's cheating on him. <laughs> um, Two good rage-inducing things, yeah. Or, like, the stoner dad that used to, like, tour as a band that never made it, but, like, he pretends it's not and smokes pot with his son, <laughs> who's their bard. Um, <laughs> if you were going in for the classic D&D crunchiness, this is not the podcast for you. He will let them do some wild stuff because they think it's funny. Mm-hmm. And it is funny, but like they'll be in the middle of a major situation and suddenly be like, all right, guys, dad huddle and like all gather up together and like figure out and just, you know, the characters bounce off each other really well. And I keep being like, they can hear you guys. <laughs> you are like five feet away from them. Oh, my favorite is uh, a stepdad. I was going to say, who, who is the was the fourth one? He is a... Stepdad named Ron, who is kind of like Ron Swanson, but not a raging libertarian. Okay. From like Parks and Rec. So yeah. he's just like, I am a dad now, I guess. <laughs> and I'm I don't know what to do here. Um <laughs> I guess I have to look after Terry Jr. because I married his mom after his dad died. And I'm gonna hang out with the other dads. <laughs> he like thinks a hug is a breed of dog. Like, he just has no idea how to emote. It's just, I'm only, like, two episodes in, so I don't know too much about what's happening, but when I am laughing out loud this much in the second episode of a podcast, that's a pretty good sign, Mm. because my rule is usually, and we've all done podcasts, so we know this, give a podcast three or four episodes to find their footing. Mm Mm-hmm. Even in a whole season. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, God. Our first season of Word Balloons, I keep asking people to skip it, and they keep not listening to me. And they keep saying nice things, so, like, thank you. Oh, by the way, thank you. 
coworker Joe, who oh. apparently listens to all of our shit now. No shit. And just came up to me the other day and was like, this is your fault. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> it's six in the morning and it's too early for this guilt. <laughs> <laughs> what is my fault? He's like, I have now read 30 issues of Immortal Hulk thanks to you. <laughs> Which Immortal Hulk is fucking fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, good really job. Is. Very truly is. Malark, what about you? You've been listening, watching, reading. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, when I'm when I'm working, because like right now I'm working my way through Klauswitz. I've, I've got a show of my own, The Art of War Gaming, and uh, it's also on the Earworm Network. And uh, right now we're working our way through Klauswitz, and it is a thick book. We have been working on it for about a year. You should tell them the title of the book because Klauswitz oh. is the author. Sorry, I was in, I was a history major, and we always were just kind of like, yes, the Klauswitz. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read just like Shakespeare? Sorry, it's On War by Klauswitz, and it's a military history manual or a military science manual. Klauswitz, uh, he was writing this at the tail end of the French Revolutionary Wars, Napoleonic Wars, and he was on the losing side, so he got to observe a whole lot of stuff that uh, the most winners wouldn't even include because they're not thinking about it. They won, whereas mm-hmm. he was heavily analyzing it. So, I, I mean, that's what I'm primarily doing is reading that, but I'm also doing a rewatch of MASH because it's nostalgic oh, for me. And it's so good. I love MASH so much. That's right a now. good theme. Right, right. Yeah, especially after Alan Alda kind of takes over and, and starts using a, a bit more of an overall story arcing. Um, the Great, I don't know if you guys have checked out The Great. That's on the Hulu. one about... Catherine, Catherine the, the Great? Great? Yeah. I've not seen it, but I've wanted to. It's Court got Nicholas Holt in oh, it. Oh, okay. My wife and I have just started watching through it, and it's fantastic. It's like, we have a hard time finding shows that we both like, and this is one of those ones that after supper, we're both like, great, the great, the great, yeah, the great. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that one's really good. Um, that one is loosely based off of history, it's, yeah. It's occasionally true, is what, okay. they, is what they say. It's an occasionally true It's kind of like our flag means death in that respect. Oh, okay. I, w- I just started that one, too. Oh, we did an episode right. on it. It's so no, good! It's, it's so, so good. good. Um, they still haven't announced a second season. I know, I know. But as a historian, if you go back and watch The Great, the craziest shit that's happening on there, the stuff you're like, that can't possibly be true. Is the stuff that's, that's true. That's the stuff that's mm. actually true. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Peter was not a good king, emperor <laughs> thing. A lot of the czars weren't... The fact that they ruled for 300 years is pretty impressive with how absolutely insane most well, of them You know, were. they used the church as one of their primary things. It was one of those uh, perfect uh, marriages between church and state where they were able to use pure propaganda to control the country for the longest time. It, was, it wasn't until, you know, reformers like Catherine the Great came along and were like, hey, by the way, you're p- people. You know that, right? <laughs> they were like, oh, my God, we have. there's other ways to live? But, like, they were kept this way not <laughs> only by the government, people. but... Yeah, so it was, it was, there, was, there was a whole team going on there. Hmm. Nice. Weirdly, I happen to know that I have a lot of family that ended up in Russia during her reign. Nice. As part of the, the Germans to Russia movement yeah. and all of that. And uh, My grandma was super into genealogy, so Your I've actually seen... Your family has been like, all over. I have seen all of that paperwork, and it's kind of crazy interesting but heck yeah um my uncle when she's also passed now and i don't know who ended up with all of that ah. so my grandmother was the same she did a bunch with the genealogy and now it's it's somewhere she had fun mm-hmm. with it that's the important part yeah um yeah. my uncle went to norway which is our ancestral home mm-hmm. and we have cousins. i guess they're cousins like if you are very generous with the term cousin and they're like, well, the good news is we can trace our back family back to the 1500s. The bad news is we o- they only kept track 
of royalty and prisoners back then, and it's mm. not the one that you're hoping it is. <laughs> Ro Raggy. And he's like, what, they were royalty? Although <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I saw one of the most interesting this is a just a weird tangent, but fuck it, we're on this subject now. Welcome um, to General Nerdery. This woo. is what we do. I saw this weird paper, whatever, my great 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 grandpa uh married uh in Russia. The church refused to write down the name of his bride. Huh. They recorded that he was married, that he got oh, you married. Mentioned this to me that he got married in the church, but they refused to write down any of her identifying information because she was Romani. Ah, uh, racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then. It was really weird. Uh, either way, I was just like, oh, this is strange. And I think the only reason they recorded it was because, like, he was a liked person in town. So, like, how does that even figure? Like, people are looking back through and there's like, hey, there's this guy who married himself, I guess. Like, He's married. <laughs> just to an amorphous object of some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Anyway, that's for... My own personal tie to the history of that region. Anyway. <laughs> hey, my personal tie to it is way back in the way when um, my great-great-grandfather, who was effectively called uh, Zhezhe, was stationed in a town, was caught in a barn with a gal. No, like, there wasn't any, like, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Brothers <laughs> didn't care. There was a shotgun involved. There was a marriage that happened. And then they came to America, where they started a long line of very unhappy uh, Slavs, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so I feel you. <laughs> I just have the Norse. We all moved here and started making Lefsa. Kept making Lefsa. We never stopped. The only other relative I know of was in the Civil War on the right side. Ooh, so I, just oh. need to I had out. both. Did you? I had people who definitely were on the wrong side. My granddad, who he's dead and racist, so whatever, uh, was like, oh, yeah. My daughter, my mom, please stop looking up our history. I don't want to know what we're going to find out. And she's like, oh, I know what we're going to find out. We basically owned Missouri at one point. Oh, no. Like before. <laughs> but also, one of his ancestors left Missouri and went to, like, Kansas, I want to say. He went to one of the states that was, like, wavering on what side. Bleeding Kansas. And was uh, super important in making sure that they, like was like the leading voice in the anti-slavery movement in the States. Oh, that's wow. reassuring. That's cool. So there was both because it's old school. Like when white people started coming to Missouri, my family was there. So I am sincerely sorry to very many people for well, a lot of stuff that I am not sure what it is. And I mean, honestly, I think if you look back in history wise, like there were no good guys in the civil war. There was one less bad guy, Yeah, but like both sides were incredibly racist and mm-hmm. both sides were incredibly derogatory toward everybody and, and violent and awful. So, I mean, my, yeah, my, I'd be like, my relative was in the union side, but probably cause he was drafted. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, not my family, but that reminded me of a story. I had a buddy growing up whose grandma was brought in front of their school by Hitler. Oh. As, <laughs> as an example of a perfect Aryan child. Oh, wow. And that's not her fault by no, any stretch no. of the imagination. By but the end of the war, she had been knocked up by an American GI. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> That'll show him. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so on that extreme... Extremely strange note. Let's. Uh, we only have one trailer to talk about today, and I don't mm-hmm. have much to say about it. But uh, we watched the She-Hulk trailer, 
Which now, after having read more She-Hulk in the past week than I ever have before previously... Admittedly a pretty weird She-Hulk, but... Which is pointed out in the text. Mm-hmm. So I knew it wasn't classic She-Hulk that I was getting while reading it either. It made me like the trailer more. I still have no real connection to the character, and uh, I hope they refine the CG a little bit because it's super uneven, and I would rather it be slightly below par but even than the all over the place that it was Mm. for me. I was thinking about this. She-Hulk in the comics is not a problem, but She-Hulk in the show, there's some uncanny valley that kicks in. Because, you know, when Mark Ruffalo becomes the Hulk, it's so disproportioned Mm -hmm. that you're a little more willing to forgive when something looks a little off. Because most people aren't, you know... 10 feet tall, 12 12 feet wide. Yeah, exactly. Like that size. She-Hulk is huge, but she has much closer to to traditional human proportions, proportions, which means any little thing that's off is much more off. Like it's much more noticeable. I wasn't running into that so much as some of the CG looked unfinished. That's fair. It Some might also the, still be unfinished. I mean, the show yeah, comes that's out in a few months. Um, Trailers sometimes use not the entirely finished product, so it might end up looking better. But also, like, Infinity War had the same problem. That was my biggest gripe with Infinity War, is Thanos looked fucking photoreal almost that entire movie, but... There was a scene or two. Fucking... Um, Bruce's head in the Hulkbuster armor literally looked like it was floating in front of a green screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so someone who has read some She-Hulk, I tend to prefer She-Hulk over Hulk because the stories on average tend to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because there's a little more you can do with her, and I think there is something fun about a superhero defense attorney or prosecutor depend she mm-hmm. they don't do a great job about whether she works for the prosecution or the defense like i know most lawyers have a specialization but jen do what jen gonna do but there is i mean th- this show is showing it looks like it's borrowing a lot from the charles sewell run which i think is the best she hulk run ever written so good plan there was a run in the 90s by john byrne that was really popular maybe 80s but it was I don't like John Byrne much in the first place, and mm-hmm. parts of it have aged super poorly of just reading that in 2021, and you're like, or 2022, and you're like, that's fucking sexist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like anything you read from the 80s. So I give it a little, but uh, the kind, the more comedic tone, I think, is a good choice. They tend to do that with She-Hulk as opposed to the, like, the sad music from the 70s Bruce Banner playing. As he walks along and... It's that, that very stereotypical, do, do, or, or what do. is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, classic scene. I believe the name of that song is The Lonely Man? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm a monster! <laughs> uh, so having a woman who is suddenly like, my whole world has changed and I feel kind of much more confident because I have, you know, Hulk blood running through <laughs> me all of a sudden could be kind of fun and the... The thing I'm hoping is we get some real kind of lawyer comedy stuff. Like, I'm sure I saw the fabulous Frogman or his dad, the villain Leapfrog. I'm not sure which, because they wear the same costume in that. And um, 
as the worst Daredevil villain of all time. I'm really excited to see what happens with that. He's worse than Stiltman. And Stiltman's oh, powers no. is he has stilts. Oof. Um, I'm excited to see... The trailer seems to set up her having to defend Tim Roth as Abomination. Fuck yes. Give me all the more Tim Roth. Yeah. I love Tim Roth. Uh, and we saw Abomination again. I mean, we saw him a bit in Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. But he actually looks like the Abomination now and not a weird penis man with spikes like he did in The Incredible Hulk. Right. Uh, but yes, Tim Roth. Admittedly, every time I think of him, I think of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which is very different from uh, the Marvel Universe. But I, I, too, start just flipping a coin whenever, whenever I see him. But <laughs> What was that? It was a show we got really into briefly when we were living together. Lie to me. In. Yeah. Mm. Where he plays a guy who reads really micro good. expressions, and mm-hmm. I think the science is mostly hokum, but it half, was cool. Half of it is pseudoscience. Like a lot of the concepts are pretty good, but like sitting there and being like, "Oh, I caught a small glimpse out of the corner of your eye that now tells me that your social security number is blood." <laughs> like, yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> but for douchey TV, it is extremely fun. That one got canceled way too early yeah and, and like abruptly too like mm-hmm. it starts to get to this point and like that last episode you're like okay cool i'm really looking at so for the next season blip what was that one of the amc shows it not important i don't remember uh, who did it i don't think i saw it till it was on netflix so. that's where we found yeah. it but yeah she hulk i mean it's that it's the problem with the first trailer we don't want it to tell us too much because we want to be able to sit down and have surprises in the show but also, kind of hard to talk on? about. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's going to get some booty is like the main thing I got from that. Right. Which good for her and good for him. Good for both. I also know that she removed a door. Saw that. <laughs> so when that happens in the movie, I'll be like, spoils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a slow point for trailers. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Especially let- after having to talk about the Avatar trailer last time. I'm still... <sighs> Just fucking watch a David Attenborough movie instead. Um, Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will go into... I was going to say Space the Final Frontier, but no, we have to go talk about 40K instead. (laughs) So as we mentioned before, we've been trying to get Malark on the show forever, and struggling with it, because every time I would talk to you, you'd be like, oh, I don't do much nerd stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's so normal in my life that I don't really realize it. And then people are like, how much nerd stuff do you do? And I'm like, I don't really do that much. And they're like, what are you doing a given day? And I'm like, barely a bunch of nerd shit. <laughs> Tell the listeners what you're wearing right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wearing a very nice selection from the spring fashion from Thumbs. Uh, you see me modeling some nice new pants. Oh, I did make you those. You did. Actually, uh, he's this wearing a bunch kit. of Belagarth. Garb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got I got some nice uh, some nice comfy pants on and a, a big old jacket that makes me look like I'm trying to go for pirate president or or something along those lines. So. And a stolen hood. No, not, no, stolen. not stolen. Stole and hood. Stole is a term for. Oh that. yeah. See, see, yeah no, I, <laughs> Sorry, uh, the Montanan habit of dropping the last stolen. part of a word definitely. <laughs> Uh, like, no, 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 I was awarded this for, being, you, for being a fantastic bore at the event that I was at. And that's a bore as in, like, the <laughs> bore and not, like, the, you know, person that you don't want to listen to. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> damn it. But, okay. But the one thing that you are definitively nerd at is 40K. I love 40K. Uh, 
I mean, to the point that I asked you recently, you're like, I'm doing a bunch of prep work. And I was like, oh, for a podcast? And you're like, nah, man, the new edition came out and I need to study. Well, yeah, the, the, uh, the, I, I, I play knights right now because my back is shit. And before this, I was playing Gene Steeler Cult. Okay. And they Explain are really what, cool. why, my back, uh, why your back being shit means. My, my, my back is shit because I was in two high-speed rollovers. No, I mean, why does that matter to 40 Oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know this, Thumbs. <laughs> I knew I was going to open up, but I didn't know I was going to tell them everything. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't played, 40K is a tabletop sort of game. You're playing on a table that is 44 by 60 inches in diameter, and so that's fairly large, and you're moving a bunch of pieces around on it and trying to get vision. So you're looking around, and you're trying to get at their level to see if you can see around buildings. Um, and of course, you have to move all these, these models as well. And so when you're having to bend over a table and move a horde army, which is what you'd call something like the Tyranids or the Orcs or, or any of the other ones that like rely on numbers, it takes forever to move these dudes, even if you've got the movement trays. That means you're, you're spending a lot of time making these small motions over a table. If you have a shit back, that sucks. <laughs> Sucks. I move these three men. Let's do this. Right. So yeah, now I'm playing knights, and so like for every like my opponent will have like a hundred models, and I will have fourteen, and they are just big guys that I just pick up, I move them where I want to. <laughs> I don't have to bend over hardly at all because I'm like I can I can either see you or I can't. There's no finesse about this. Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I, I play knights anymore. And so my codex had just recently dropped, and the, the the local league just started up, and so I wanted to be up on all my rules. So that when I had my very first game, I wasn't sitting there like a derp, uh, being like, well, let me just try to look at my rules. Thing. I don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So how did you first encounter 40K? I first, you... first encountered it when I was living down in Tennessee, actually. And I had a, a buddy. Uh, I lived near Nashville. Okay, that's where Dirt Marion is, for, for those of you who aren't necessarily familiar with the, with the Belagar speak. And Nashville is a terrifying city to drive in. <laughs> There's one particular route that you have to go on to get to Elmington Park, which is where Dirt Marion met, and it's a long route called the 440. The 440 was designed by a person who was a, a biochemist who was specialized in, like, um, hydro hydrodynamics. Okay. And so he built it based on the theory of people and cars moving the same way that water does through channels. The problem is, water moves logically. People do not. And so this so-called miracle of a little high, like the interstate section is a death trap. <laughs> and is absolutely, like, you got to be right with Jesus <laughs> if you're going on the 440. So naturally, my ass coming from Montana and, like, you know, I can handle some deer. But, like, that sort of traffic, and I'm, I'm starting to shake and shit. And so I was meeting up with a buddy in Murfreesboro, and we were driving in together. And so he was listening to the 40K audio dramas. Oh, okay. And so we'd, we'd be sitting there listening to it. I had no idea what was going on at first. None whatsoever. As you're listening to it, you're picking up more and more and more stuff. And, like, the audio dramas are so cool because it's like you're listening to a, a TV program, but it's there. So they got all the different, like, sound effects in the background. And, like, it was so cool. Audio plays have stayed big in Britain, and I really am sad that they didn't stick around in America in any real... Thankfully, the Black Library is a British company. And yeah. so, like, you get some really good shit out of there. And so I'm listening to this, and I'm like, this is really cool. And then it kind of went on hold in my life for a little while until I met some, I started talking with some folks here who played it. And I was like, you know, I just got into a new job. It's a cushy job. I've got some extra cash floating around. Why not start into a game like this? <laughs> <laughs> Man, you play Belagarth. You know that's a lie. Yeah. Well, I, I've got the two big nerdy things that I do. The two big nerdy things that'll keep me from retiring. So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's how I kind of got into, a, a long roundabout way of how I got into 40 gay. And this is a dangerous question to ask you. What is your favorite army? My 
favorite army. It would depend or, on or, your criteria. Or, Wait, yeah. since you actually play, what's your favorite to play versus your favorite just lore-wise? My favorite to play, of course, at the moment Ooh, is Let nice. me guess. Ooh. Let me let me guess before I can... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, your favorite to play, I'm assuming you're going to go with knights because that's what you're playing right now. My spine. Yeah. And it's the the mech people for your favorite. The, the, the Adeptus Adeptus Mechanicus. Mechanicus. That's the one. Yeah. As, as I've just mentioned before, uh, I was in two high-speed rollovers, and your body doesn't come away from that with a few aches and awfulness. So the whole concept of being like, let's just hack a piece off and put on a machine bit that works just as fine. Yes. <laughs> you yes, have please. wanted to be a robot for almost 20 years that I've known you. It would be awesome. <laughs> like, you could yeah. do anything and be, be great. fine. <laughs> I'm also all on board the being a robot train, although I'm not an adeptus mechanic. It is fun to, like, watch the sci-fi with him that's like, are you still human if you're a robot? At what point does, like, should you stay here? You're like, no, fuck it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Bye-bye humanity. Bye-bye pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah. So, yeah, Adeptus Mechanicus is probably my favorite lore-wise just because of, like, the whole concept of the Omnissiah is really cool. They've got this, like, super space Catholic worshipping machine thing going on where you have, like, the machine god, the Omnispire, and the motive force. I mean, come on. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Um, and, but, like... Everything is so mechanical. <laughs> it's, it's crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> and like it, it, and they exist separate from the Imperium, which is really cool. Like everybody looks at like the Imperium and like the quote unquote good there are no good guys in 40k. But like the more human characters in 40k is all being under the, the Imperial banner. The Adeptus Mechanicus is actually their own empire. The Martian I did not empire, know that. Yeah, they are their own separate thing. And there's a lot of treaties and a lot of bindings that keep them together. I mean, like the the Imperial worlds would be fucked. Without the like the ability of like generating power and and material that the Forge worlds have, but the Forge worlds would be fucked without the protection that the Imperium uh, provides, mm-hmm. and so it's a mutually beneficial ex- relationship. But yeah, they're technically two separate empires, which is why you two have two separate types of knights. You know, you've got your Imperialist knights, which fight very different than your Mechanicus knights because they're sworn to different empires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zach, your history with forty k. <laughs> Actually, a lot longer than okay. anyone would expect. Because when I was a kid, I got, I don't know, it was at the comic book store, and it was some kind of magazine that was like an advertisement for models. Mm-hmm. So it had little bits of fluff, and it had pictures of the models. I remember very specifically, like, Plague Marines. And it had a Warhammer Fantasy and a Warhammer 40K side. Like, half and half. Mm-hmm. And I think that book fell apart in my hands eventually, with the amount that I went through it. Because the basic setup of 40k is super fucking cool. As much as I push back against it a lot, mm-hmm. I get why people like it. And then, God, just out of high school, right, early college, I decided I was going to get into it. And I invested like $300 in an orc army. And I didn't enjoy putting together the minis. Uh. And I didn't enjoy painting the minis. And, uh... I got fucking stomped after dropping $300, and I went, you know, I don't know if this is for me. $300. Yes, I know, but I was 19, and I didn't have a job. Like, um, Also, you've seen my comic book collection. I I only have so much money. I should not throw shade. (laughs) No, I am under the opinion that most hardcore nerds have enough money for two big nerd hobbies and then a bunch of others they dabble in. For me, it's comic books and Bellegarth. For you, it's 40K and Bellegarth. For yep. you, it's video games and... Weed. Weed. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um... Not gonna lie, I'd have a lot more money. <laughs> well, and I just... Uh, 
I mean, it's the thing I've learned about RPGs, like tabletop RPGs. I'm not the crunchiest player. I'm much more freeform. 40K is not that. And I believe in a Star Trek future. Like, I just... The shittier our world gets, the more I support optimism in our fiction, because I do think it's important. That isn't to say that, you know, dark, heavy shit is bad, but I have enough of that because I read the news every day. Sure, sure. Um, You know, so I, I, I kept being like... That looks cool as hell, and I'd read some comic books here and there. The place where I started to get the reputation as the anti-40K guy was when you brought the fucking game into the realm of Stygia, our local Belagarth group. Yeah. And it became possible to talk about anything else. You're welcome. For like two years. Uh, and, you know, I still to this day love when people will come up and be like, can I show you what I painted? I'm like, absolutely you can. Right. We've got some great artists in the mm-hmm. realm. I am not one of them. And our buddy Wug, he's been on the show several times. He'll come up and he'll show me, and he's showing me the inside of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. There it is. You have to go looking for it, and you have to get the little flashlight to see it, and he's painted fucking screen reflection. Like, get the light glare on the screens on stuff. You absolute fucking madman. <laughs> and I love seeing it because, I mean, we've discussed this. I do cool artsy shit all the time, but I do leather crafting. I do sewing. I do illustration. I am not a fine detail work because I am a lummox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that word. So I do too. Uh, so when it comes time to painting the tiny little brush that is like smaller than a pen. Oh God, I hate it so much. But that means that I am impressed when I see it done well. But yeah, I kind of became the anti-40K guy because I heavily disagree with its basic premise in a lot of ways. I agree with some of the earlier premise, which I want to talk about in a minute. And it was the only way to keep practice going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was to be like, okay, guys, we talked about 40K. That's fun. It's been 45 minutes. Uh, Let's have some wax. And, like, the three people who don't play 40K have been, like, sitting awkwardly, like, waiting. Um, Why do they keep chanting blood for the blood god? (laughs) Join us. Uh, I get get very passionate about things, and I like to to bring people along. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what this show is about. It's just was... We had to find a way for me to talk about 40K in a way that I could, like, contribute and be helpful to it still. Yeah, Uh, Which is hilarious, because I did a fucking war strategy podcast with you for over a year, and just kind of carefully listened and didn't talk when the 40K stuff came up. (laughs) Um, And yeah, my favorite army is the Orcs, because they're British football fans, and it's hilarious... And they are, in my opinion, the only part of 40K that remembers to keep a sense of humor. They are the only ones having fun. Which, yeah, exactly. And the older stuff did that. Space Wolves. Space Wolves had fun. Uh, Prior Siege of Fenris. Okay, okay. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Tyler, (laughs) um, what about you? What's your... Because I know you're into it to some level, but... Yeah, so never played the tabletop. I'll get that out of the way first. I have a... A kind of a short and kind of long history. Um, what got me into it was that I, with my video gaming history, I've always liked RTSs. So when the Dawn of War games came about... Yeah. I had a long Dawn of War. I have them installed on my computer. My computer just sucks, and I don't want to get angry at lag while playing like one of my favorite games. Um, got, got heavy into those, but the reason I got heavy into those 
was because I was already somewhat familiar with Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. in a roundabout way. Because although I've never played 40k with the miniatures, I realized, and I, I forgot I was going to bring this up at one point with you anyway, Malark, like... Back when we first started talking about possible crossovers that we could do, you once asked if I've done any wargaming. No, but I've come close because I've played Blood Bowl. Oh, okay, yeah. The video game Blood Bowl or like actual? No, I've, Blood- I've, oh, I've actually tabletop. played actual tabletop. I, I knew Blood there was. Bowl. I just assumed because cool. <laughs> back way back in the day, to the point where uh, looking back on it, me and my friend were not playing properly. We were definitely dumbing down the rules. Although, looking back on it, I feel like most of the changes we made are ones that they have made in future editions anyway, because... They've really tried to streamline things. I mean, it's still a very complicated game where you need to do homework before you uh, can actually play, but, like, this edition of 40K, for instance, is so much easier to learn and so much easier to play than the previous ones. If even just because of terrain rule clarifications, Mm. oh my god, there's no more of the debate of, like, no, it does this, no, it does this, no. (laughs) That's a ruined wall, and has certain keywords, we know. Move on. There was a thing in the 90s in any kind of gaming, because D&D suffered from this real bad, too. And, I mean, like, you and I played a lot of 3.5, and I love 3.5, but... It was crunchy, and there was so much rules debate. And I don't know what it was about gaming in that era, but fucking every game had that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the last 20 years has been like, okay, guys, we have to simplify this. We need to stay, like, true and have fun to what we are, but, like, we have to simplify. Yeah, so I want to say I played Blood Bowl back in the second edition. Okay. Um, and then have since uh, started playing now that they actually have a video game version, which is fucking amazingly streamlined. Like, it's all of the rules except all the rolling's done behind the scenes. The only thing I don't like about it is that there's, like, no... You have to do multiplayer. No, mm. yeah. There's, like, only... You can do, like, the little training things or whatever, but there's no, like, ongoing you can set up. Or... You can set up... If you just set up a league, then it populates it with AI teams. Oh, see? So see. you can set up your own league... And then just continue playing it. Well, See, it's yeah. worth it for you to come on our podcast. Today. Absolutely, you're learning things. Yeah, because I got that and like played a few times. Like this is awesome. And then I was like, wait a minute, I have to go online. I permanently go. have a game on quick resume on my Xbox, just so that anytime like I don't feel like any other game, I can pop onto Blood Bowl. Oh fuck yeah! And Blood Bowl is basically 40k rugby. Yes, <laughs> in extremely simplified form. It's extremely simplified football to the point where it feels more like rugby. Okay. Yeah. And it's supposed to be it's supposed to be closer to football though. Like American football. Yes. A little bit interesting. Okay. I guess I had just assumed rugby because. um, But it's turn based. It's turn based football, which is a weird concept to get your head around (laughs) and makes the order in which you do things very 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 important. Oh yeah. Which What's your favorite team, by the way? Oh, chaos. Oh, right. Once they introduced Chaos, um, I, I go bashy. And so before they introduced Chaos, I was uh, undead because they were bashiest at that sure, point. Sure. Does Chaos count as your favorite 40K group, too? or? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, yes, but I Chaos Undivided, like I'm a huge Night Lords fan. Nice. Huge Night Lords fan, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, the games got me into it, then I started reading more, and legitimately one of my favorite pastimes to do is to just... I've probably read 90% of the pages on 1D4chan re- related to 40K, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that's a wiki. 
I've read 90% of the 40K pages of. I don't know if it's the same wiki, because there's a couple of 40K Wikipedias. I think it's the one I was reading is just the 40K wiki. But uh, I have put in a lot of time, mostly because you would say a name, and I'd be like, quick, Google, see if I know what's happening what here. I know not the Hebrew demon. The other dude. <laughs> it's not the... Uh, so 1D4chan, I think, was technically shut down, but it's hosted now in like countries that don't give a shit ah <laughs> um because it's the one that legit is done way more by the fandom with a lot more like in jokes and explains the in jokes and okay it's That's... a lot of fun because like you'll go it'll be reading an entire wiki article mm-hmm. that is constantly referring to marnius calgar right. as Big Daddy Mac, Pop Smurf. Yeah, that's definitely not the one I read. <laughs> <laughs> no, and there's a wealth of lore out there. It's it's one of my favorite things about it. I mm-hmm. actually started reading the books before I started playing the game. As part of the reason I started playing the game is because I was reading the books and was like, I have to, I have to do this. Um, but they like the Horus Heresy. I've been reading that exclusively as my fiction for several years now. Mm. As I've just been working, and it, for for a reference, there's like. 60 books in the Horus right. Heresy, so it's it's a big one. Um, and I've been trying to pace myself, which is why it's taken me so long, because I, if I were to read as fast as I want to with these things, it's a very expensive reading habit. Um, <laughs> so I have to, I, I, again, I pace myself. But it's it's such a good series. Like, I read Klaus Fitz, I read, or I, I read my military science, I read the whatever history bit I'm doing for that military science, and then I read 40K. Right. Well, and you and I did a... a I don't remember if it was a one or a two-parter episode on um, when I was on Ward of Wargaming still of the Infantryman's Handbook. Yeah, oh, so which good. we've talked before about my love of like in-universe guidebooks. So like, this is the book that guide you the path of being a Jedi Knight. That's such a good book. Too. Or yeah, that one's great too. Or like, here is the technical manual of an X-wing. Mm-hmm. That one I like it. It didn't get me as much because I'm not a mechanic, but like it, it was cool. I love the idea that these exists. That fucking infantryman's handbook was the crunchiest shit I have ever read it's in like my life. Ma- I, I was in the military. It was like a field manual. And it's thick. And yeah. tiny prints. Yes. And tiny <laughs> prints. Yes. Diagrams and, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, whatever my relationship with 40K, I have never been so impressed with, like, the amount of just commitment they have. There's to- so much. There's just so much. Well, and a lot of it is by, I don't think together, but uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. St. Abnett. Yeah. Um, Those are both very big names in it, for sure. Who created the modern version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, to put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, the the team with Rocket and Groot and yada yada. So, I mean, it is like sci-fi, comic book, not royalty, but like veterans. Oh, Abnett is a extremely heralded name within the 40k. Lore within community. 40k, he might be royalty. Within uh, uh, comics, he is a extremely respected professional. Is like one of the greats of his, but not like he's the genius of his generation. <laughs> this guy's fucking great. Well, there's and there's so many different contributing authors, to, and, but it's very like. Games Workshop has very strict guidelines mm-hmm. on like what is lore and what isn't. So like, there's a very consistent universe going on but there's generally yes generally uh but there's so many different contributing authors that it really gives a a a richness to the to the story rather than just like one or two uh people contributing like um andy there was there was a 
there's one of the guy I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he writes a lot of the chaos stuff, mm. and he does amazingly with it. Like, like uh, um, Andrew Dembski Bowden, Aaron Dembski Bowden, Aaron, yeah, who also did the Night Lords trilogy. Yeah. Which I was gonna say, I haven't started the Horus Heresy yet. I've read the Night Lords trilogy. Ten times. Word. Um, Heresy is worth it. You will you will not run out of material anytime soon. <laughs> it's generally a pretty good idea that you see the Star Wars books do this a lot too. Of you get a couple of writers for like, you know, this era, and this is your Jedi guy, and this is your fighter pilot guy, or I guess in this case, this is your Ultramarines guy, and this right. is your Chaos guy, and and to, and to make sure we differentiate, um, the reason we were saying Horus Heresy is that forty k, of course, is in the forty first millennium. Horus Heresy takes place in the like the thirty first, the thirty first yeah. millennium, and that's when this massive civil war splits the Imperium, and that's where like you get the Chaos Marines and everything coming from. Um, but that that's again, that's like the prequel stuff. That's what helps you it helps explain why forty k is the way the forty k. It's is. episode one through three of Star Wars. Just episodes Except, one through sixty instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so before, why are the Primarchs as fucked up as they are? We'll dive into. Daddy a, didn't love me. <laughs> no, Dad didn't love anyone. Uh, we'll dive into a real quick thing of the Imperium in a sec. But first, I just want to see if I can get this right. There have been what five games from Games Workshop, all to various levels connected. Because there's Warhammer 40k. There is the uh, kill team, which is like 40k, but a single squad, yep. which you have small, almost small tricked elite. me into playing a couple of times. Well, it's less models, um. though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you, there's no intro price to Belagarth, Malark, but how's that worked out for my truck full of stuff? <laughs> um, <laughs> there is Blood Bowl. There is, what was the space one? The, the giant ship one. Space that you, Hulk? No, Battlefleet Gothic? Battlefleet Gothic. Oh, mm. don't. Don't talk to me about Battlefield. Which is out, it is decommissioned, but everyone, but you know, it's. I want it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to say there was a Planes version too, but I've never Aeronautica. played it. Aeronautica. Aeronautica. And then there is Warhammer Fantasy. Which is, is that Age of Sigmar now? Yes. Yeah. They retired Fantasy and put in Age of Sigmar, which is basically our. The same thing. <laughs> yes, it's the same thing, but we got to streamline some rules and we got to. Uh, differentiate a little bit because everything was very fantasy existed in a weird spot because it wasn't part of the 40k universe but it right. used so much of the lore and and yeah and they use some of the same characters like a lot of the demons like that mm -hmm. like you can play if you buy part of the reason i bought demons for 40k was so that i could play sigmar if i wanted to I just have an army already because i had it or like but that there's Your no nurgles real, are nurgle right mm -hmm. but there's no real crossover between the universes so it, it's it, it's a little weird yeah so we're mostly going to talk about the Imperium today because both of the books we read were about the Imperium. Uh, uh, Fucking Ultra Smurfs. Before we dive into stuff... People, people razz on them, but I actually think they're pretty cool. I Sorry, actually kind of like them too, but no, no, you're fine. Uh, before we dive into stuff, let's. I want to tackle the elephant in the rule room really quickly. Yeah, a lot of fascists have been trying to co-op the Imperium and not... Recognizing co-op shit, the Imperium is fascist. fascist. <laughs> yes, but okay, uh, and it's not good. I don't no, mean in a positive way. That's not positive. Um, but there's no good guys in 40k. No, no, no but no, they no. have not been taking that lesson and have been like, "See, that's what we should have." Which fuck, what's wrong with you? But like, no, uh, fuck those guys. Yes, just anytime there is a group, a nerd thing that we do where fucking fascist neckbeards are trying to kind of muscle in. I kind of like to start with the, like, let's get this right out of the way. 
If you're one of those people, get the fuck away from my podcast. I do think the biggest mistake 40K made, and I understand why it happened. It wasn't on purpose. But the fact that the, we get more and more, you know, 60 fucking books about the humans kind of turns the Imperium into the quote-unquote good guys. At the very least, protagonists. The protagonist is a better term. And it's easy to turn the protagonist into the good guys, but when your protagonists are horrifying, that is risky. Well, I was going to say, not only... That also just gets into my hipstery why I don't like the fucking Ultra Smurfs because they're the poster boys <laughs> of the protagonists. They're good guys. Well, they, and they try to be. That's the thing. Like, they are as a section of the Imperium who actually, like, them and the Salamanders. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, the only people in the Imperium, they're like, you know what? Let's not go out of our way to be shitty to people. Yeah. Yeah, that's Which pretty good. I, there was a moment of that in Marnius Calgar that I was thinking of, uh, one of the books we read for this. Um,. I just wanted to get that out of the way because you know, it's important to call out. Yeah, stuff. no. Anybody who says that they want to be anybody in 40k has not obviously read anything in 40k, and and you should never that. want to be anything <laughs> in that universe. No, nobody's having a good time. Like we talked about, the thing is having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's do an extremely truncated overview of what. The Imperium is before we dive into the Imperium is the space. I said extremely truncated. <laughs> I know um, <laughs> it's it's um, makes Palpatine look kind piece. of loving. Um, oh yeah, that's a good. Ooh, it's Leto's piece from, from Dune. Dune. Uh, yeah, it is. I have conquered the galaxy, or am conquering the galaxy, and bringing about good things. But it's fucking terrible for everybody. The original um, concept wasn't terrible. Like, when, when the Emperor was first conquering the galaxy, like, yeah, the, I mean, during the Great Crusade, as the name implies, it was not a grand time. But the Imperium was still very full of hope. Like, everybody still believed in something. There was this whole secular reality that was being promoted, and it was going off really well. Like, the Emperor wanted to create, like, his whole idea was to create a perfect world for humanity. And it went terribly awry, like, with all the wrong directions. So bad. But that was his intent. That's what he wanted out of it, even though he was going about it in a very fucking Fascist, colonialist way. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like, and yes, no, I'm not going to harp on that too much, but, like, we we can't avoid the fact that we're talking about a fascist dictatorship that makes Star Wars' empire look cuddly. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, look, we... Not the same podcast, you might not have heard it, but we mentioned it over on fucking Word Balloons when we were talking about the orcs over there. You compare, like, straight acrosses from any other sci-fi universe, 40K is going to win. Because it's, it's intentional. It's Whenever they can, they dial it past 11. Oh, yeah, like, sure. Yeah. There's one orc on that planet. We should blow up the planet. <laughs> they're fungus. The yeah. amount I'm not of saying they're wrong, I just also, it's horrific. <laughs> um, yeah, the amount of times an exterminatus gets called... Just daily. Because it's a daily occurrence. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's something that happens, like, when the Tyranids are first coming in and Crippman finds out about them, like, he's like, okay, so these things need to eat planets to stay alive. Fair enough. I'm just going to kill every planet in their path and hope to starve them a bit. So he goes to all these Imperial worlds and just burns them because they're in the wrong location. Um, and that's going to include Hive worlds, yep. which, by definition, is between 100 and 500 billion people. Billions upon billions upon billions. Uh, in one of the comics we read, they had a little mini-page where they were talking about a planet, and they said that, like, this world's doing really good. The average age of life made it up to 30. Like... Uh, <laughs> uh, being a Night Lords fan, mm. their Primarch, Conrad Kurz, landed on Nostromo... A hive world whose population was kept in check by the suicide rate. 
Which there's no light. Like, there's like no light there, like not ever. Oh, great. Okay. No light. Everybody is a right, surf Lord, being worked to death for the adamantium in the crust. And it is completely right corrupt and ruled by uh, mobsters and gangs across the entire thing. And the Primarch becoming Batman slash Vlad the Impaler was considered to be the best thing that ever happened to the planet. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, he ruled through terror. That was his whole philosophy was if you kill people brutally enough and in a specific enough way for specific enough reasons, you will deter those actions. Because mm-hmm. it worked on this planet. You know, worked, he, yeah. like, <laughs> y'all commit crime. I will come into your house, flay you and your families, and display your, your uh, bare corpses for the world to see. Yeah, I'll do it. It's fine. There were great. literally body parts clogging the gutters. Anyway. That tracks. So everybody so everybody decided to behave themselves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to attempt to do an extremely truncated version of what the Empire, the whatever, is. You guys correct me where I make my inevitable mistakes. All right. The Emperor of Mankind, who has been alive for however fucking long. Ever. Uh, ever. But you know, thousands of years old, even at the beginning. Extremely powerful psychic. Yes? Like the most yeah. powerful psychic. Okay. Because psychics exist and they connect to the warp, which is Psyker. like. Psyker. Psyker. To the Psyker? Okay. He decides to create this great empire of, you know, secular humanism, but through fascism. Um, <laughs> secular fascism. <laughs> secular fascism. Uh, and one of the first things he does is I don't know if it's one of the first things, but important for the lore, first things he does is creates the Primarchs. I am skipping like a thousand years of history. Just you're, roll yeah, with you're me here. Yeah, you're skipping a lot no. of history. But I said truncated. <laughs> um, I mean, really, for where the story picks up, I'll agree. The next big thing is the Primarchs. Like the the chapters existed before the Primarchs, but okay, they I didn't. know, but, it, but this is physically hurting me. I just got to yeah. very, very, very abridged real quick. So he creates the Imperium. They have to go to, uh, to Mars and create that alliance because otherwise he wouldn't be able to take the world. They start uh, going out and reconquering the worlds that were uh, lost to the Long Night, which is the period of time after humanity had its original expansion of the space, but then fell to warp storms and to technological issues and uh, fights with the cyborgs and whatever. So he goes forth reconquering that territory, at which points the Space Marine Legions are eventually created from which the Primarchs. Uh, okay, yeah, the, yes, the thank you. Boom. The Primarchs are uh, his his sons, his genetic sons, like, because they were fucking grown in a lab. He, d- he did not like them calling him daddy. He did not like that at all. They always did. They were like, father. And he's like, you are not my kid. You are my science project. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they were created to be super beings. To help him rule the universe. Yeah. Yes. And all created for a purpose. Yes. Also. Yep. Uh, they create their own chapters, which are the space marines. All the space marines are genetically modified humans. We will see this in the Marnius Calgar series we read where you, you start as just a normal person and by the end you're like 12 feet tall and six hearts and... Well, the Space Greens are created using the genetic material from the original Primarchs. Like, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't like them. They didn't do that on purpose. That's the way that the, uh, the Emperor made it to occur. Okay. And some of them were, were done separately. So he had the DNA. And so like for the Dark Angels, for instance, the Dark Angels existed. They were the first Legion. The first of the first of the first. But like they didn't have their Primarch for... Like decades, yeah, uh, because he was lost on a planet. So he was on Caliban, and so when they discovered him, they were like, "Hey, so these are your sons." And he was like, "Okay, sweet." <laughs> <laughs> I've been working with like medieval style technology for the last my entire lifetime, and high sky daddy. <laughs> uh, but the Space Marine Legions are—I mean, they're church knights, but they are like super duper church. They're, they're so, space marines. Space marines exist across multiple. These are like the space marines, thanks to all those modifications. Mm -hmm. 
Also, there is the... Intel Primaris Marines. Yeah. Which are just Space Space Marines. Yes. Um, <laughs> they, they're updated. Yeah, updated. 2.0. Space Marine Squared. Uh, then there is the Imperial Guard, which is the standard army grunts of the Imperium. That's they're, you and me with a cheap last gun being thrown into the Maw of War Stalingrad style. Your yes. average person is expected to last like a minute on the battlefield or something like that. 13 uh, hours. 13 actually. hours? There's, there's a, or 15 hours? There's I knew there was a novel of, named that. But. One of the most perfect short stories ever written. If you don't cry, you have no soul. I've never read it. I've just I've heard a lot of people talk about it being really good. Uh, best advantage, they got big tanks, but for the most part, it's a guy. Uh, With a cheap ass Lasca. The only thing drown them in our blood. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that freaks me out is when I see because I I do follow a couple of forty k cosplay pages because you see some cool ass shit mm-hmm. in that. But anytime someone's like, I'm going to do a blitz something or another of Krieg cosplay and I'm like you're just gonna dress up like a Nazi you realize that right like uh but I mean there's like Vietnam Rambo style folks there's the catacons uh uh British Redcoat army colonialism people I've seen it I don't know what it's called there's <sighs> like the Australians World War II Soviets there's all sorts of all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff then there is the people from the other book that we read for this. I don't know where the Sisters of Battle fit into this other than they are space nuns. Huh? No, go for it. Uh, you're you're going to give a better explanation than me by far. So, so ironically, because like during his lifetime, or while he was uh, still not on the Golden Throne, the Emperor, there was this like cult that had developed thinking that the Emperor was a god. He hated it. He did not want it to exist, but he also knew that it was kind of an inevitable sort of thing. But it was kept very much on the underground. So After, I was not going to explain it like this, and I love that you're going into this story. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, after he dies, of course, it becomes like the major movement. Uh, but here's a little bit of, of another thing. Lorgar, his uh, his son that was like super priesty, uh, was punished because he like Monarchia was this perfect planet that he made as like a shrine to the emperor. And so the emperor had it destroyed because he's like, motherfucker, get it through your head. I'm not a god. <laughs> but he'd written this book uh, the, the, like uh, that was basically the Bible of, of, of the, mm-hmm. uh, for the emperor. And this book becomes the book that is used by the ecclesiarchy, but it's written by a demon primarch. Like that's the part that's funny to me is because this dude went demon, and it, but it's still like the book of the Imperium. But yeah. the Imperium's got heavy Catholic. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that comes at this point. And so, like, I mean, yeah, flying buttresses, the, the like Gothic windows, all the whole works. Um, and so that progresses forward. The ecclesiarchy becomes extremely powerful to such a point that uh, it, it starts to de- destabilize the Imperium as as a whole. And the bodyguards of the dude who is, like, destabilizing it, they begin to realize, and they're also just kind of told, that he's losing it. He's, uh, like, threatening the Imperium itself, and he's got to go. And so they kill him and then deviate. And at that point, the High Lords of Terra are like, all right, the Ecclesiarchy will have no men-at-arms. They're not allowed to have any men-at-arms. And so they're like, all right, we're going to have our warrior nuns instead. But they're kind of, like, separate at the same time because of this whole incident, and they have this, like, very fierce anti-treachery, anti-heresy, like, stint in them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they come from. They're not superhuman in the same way that, like, a space marine is, but they're driven by faith, by zeal, and by incredible training and some of the best equipment that they got. And I was going to say, they have some form of power armor, which most don't. Like, the Imperial Guard don't have power yeah, armor. They have flak armor, which, um, you know... <laughs> Um, and although technically not, they are effectively the chamber's militant for the, the Ordo Hereticus. Yeah. 
A little bit, yeah. Out of game, they kind of exist because of sexism in some ways. Like, that was, there's an army of girls. Uh, and for a long time, it was written into the lore that there were no women space marines. That's still in the lore. Is yeah, it? there's still no women get, space I thought they changed marines. that. Nope. Oh, no. Okay. No, still. <laughs> Sisters of Battle is what you get instead of I mean, I'm, I'm going to have some shade thrown at me for this, I'm sure, but, like, I don't think it should matter at all because you're catching the kids before puberty and pumping them full of God knows how many chemicals to replace, like, testosterone or estrogen, and at that point, like, their genitalia becomes irrelevant because that's not what the, they're being designed to do. So I don't think it would fucking matter. Like, I don't think you're going to get same. shade from this podcast about <laughs> we should let women be space marines. I'm just saying, like, um, I, don't think, I don't think it would matter. Like, I, I just don't think it would, like, it would even be... There wouldn't even be a difference just because of, I don't know. Yeah. And some of the early Sisters of Battle models were not Oh, boob great. armor for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. the, the modern look, I, I didn't like the Sisters of Battle book we read that much. I thought that everything looked fucking cool in it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, everything looked cool. I thought it was by far the weakest thing we um, read. If you want, uh, just as an aside, if you want mm-hmm. good Sisters of Battle books, a lot of them at the moment are like the the new like horror genre that uh, Games Workshop has been going in, or Black's Library has been going in, and like the Sisters of Battle are really good for like these slow, drawn out like like demon possession things or or like Xenos infections because they're that's where they're present. That's where they're at. And so like mm-hmm. there's some very good books out there at the moment. I read one recently. I can't remember. God, I cannot remember what it was called, but it was my one of my favorite books I've read out of 40K. It was cool, though, that it was Canonus Viridian, since she was one of the more OG yeah. Sisters of Battle. And then for the final bit, I mean, there's a billion things in the Imperium, and I just found out the Adeptus Mechanicus is not part of it, but, you know, whatever, uh, is the Inquisitorius. Yes. Or, the, yeah, just the Inquisition. Inquisition. Yep. Which is... They all fucking suck, but the Inquisition is some of my favorite stories. It's just oh, Solomon yeah. Cain, but in space. That's why I love it. Um, I also, mean, oh my god, Eisenhorn, or, yeah, um, fucking Eisenhorn and the Ravenor books are very good. I mean, amazing. down to the hat, like the, the Solomon Cain. Solomon Cain is a character created by Robert E. Howard. Howard, who created the Conan stories. Okay. And it's he's a uh, witch hunter Demon hunter, whatever. I mean, it's the same Puritan character. witch hunter. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, Very much modeled uh, after, like the asshole witch hunters. Yeah, like the the ones like the who real the Malleus Malficarum. Yeah, 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 the Witchfinder General dude whose yeah. name I'm blanking. I know. Right I, now, but, I'm um, fucking blanking on it too. Oh, I keep wanting to oh, say Matthias so. Thulman, but that's from see, I, I Warhammer know it's Matthew Fantasy or Ma- Matthias something. Matthews. Uh, you know what? Just give me a second here. <laughs> Yeah, the Inquisition's interesting because they they hunt a, a lot of different. They can they hunt either Z, they hunt Xenos, they hunt heretics, they hunt. There's a difference between heretics and like demon activity because like a heretic could be anybody. It could be you know somebody who's Matthew published. Hopkins. Matthew Hopkins. Yep. Sorry, yep. go on with your thing. That was just going to bother me. But yeah, I mean again, they can do a lot. They can be going after people who are starting revolutions or you know talking smack mm-hmm. <laughs> about the emperor, or trying to do something that is against the church. Or they could be going against, like, chaos cults or demon, demon infestations, uh, Xenos infestations. Like, they, they're just well-equipped to do all this different stuff, and they're kind of given free reign. Well, and I was going to say, like, they specialize, but thanks to those books, one of the most famous Ordo Xenos inquisitors, uh, Gregor Eisenhorn, mm-hmm. in those books hardly ever interacts with Xenos. 
it's almost all him demon hunting because right. that's what he's close to. And he's like, uh, yeah, no, this is also heresy. So uh, now nah, I'm going to fucking deal with this. Right. Until he starts to do some heretical things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyways, though, what we read for this was uh, what gave us our end to do this because it gave me something I understand. Marvel got the rights to do 40K comics and they've only done two so far. I don't know if they're going to keep doing them. The 40K license jumps around mm-hmm. a lot. I can think of four companies it's belonged to just in the last, like, 15 years. First one we read was Marnius Calgar by Kieran Gillen, and I am trying to find the something Burroughs. Jason Burroughs, who was the artist on this, with a lot of James Stokoe covers, which was probably my favorite part of this because James Stokoe was a wild man. This one was by far the strongest. It doesn't surprise me. Karen Gillen is one of my favorite comic book writers. And he's an old school 40K fan because he's a British comic book writer. And those yeah. just kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. My um, bias against the Ultra Smurfs aside, Marnius Calgar is one of the cooler ones. Mm-hmm. This comic made him even cooler by finding out that he is not actually Marnius Calgar. Yeah. yeah, I had no, I had never heard of this person before, so this was... Papa Smurf! <laughs> <laughs> and so, until what's-his-name, Gooey-something, Gilliman? Yeah, Gilliman. <laughs> Gilliman uh, takes back over. He's the head of the 40, of the Ultramarines, mm-hmm. yes? Um, and now Lord Regent of the Imperium. Gilliman or Calgar? Okay, yeah. but Calgar is still in charge of the Ultramarines? Yeah, he's he's like the chapter master. Yeah. Okay. Grand Poobah. Great. Got it. At least until Gilman fucking meets the guy from the Space Marine game, since he's like the coolest Ultramarine ever. But anyway, I can't remember his name. Sorry, I I did not like the fluff that Matt Ward introduced with these guys back in the day. Yeah. Where, like... They're the good people. Oh, no, it was way beyond that. Oh, okay. So Matt Ward, controversial figure, gets more hate than he should but definitely fucked up on some things. Gets way more hate than he should, and it's partially because of the printing practices that Games Workshop had back in the day, where they would put only the head writer's name on the book. Mm. So no matter whose mistakes are in that book... Mm. It goes to Matt Ward or to... They changed it because of the death threats that he was getting. Oh, Lord. Stop sending death threats to authors or creators, you fucks! Stop, just stop reading it. Yeah, it's not hard. (laughs) But he was also an Ultramarine fanboy that got promoted to the point where he was writing both official crunch and fluff. Mm. So the Ultramarines got... That's why they are the Space Marines you see generally. And, like, it was in the point where he had interviews in, like, White Dwarf and stuff where he's like, oh, no, like, Ultramarines are the best because they are the ones that follow the Codex Astartes the best. And everyone else wants to be them, and it's only a few other aberrant chapters that don't because they're fuck-ups, and if only they could realize how good the Ultramarines actually are. And instead of what they were before, which was just the Vanilla Army, they were jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. This is the danger of getting to be in charge of the thing you're a huge fan of. Mm. It's why, as much as, like, the fans are now writing the, you know, movie, comic, whatever, that's great, because you need to, like... I think you need to like the characters that you're writing. Sure. But you still need to look at it from like a creator point of view first and a fan second. And I've seen it happen with so many different things. Sure. And 
crunch-wise, he's the kind of guy that would put a lot of interesting ideas out there that almost always had to be brought back into place because they were broken. Power gamers loved him because of that, which uh, <laughs> makes things even more toxic because power gamers can be the worst. Yeah, that's so. why I don't play Magic together. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I suppose I missed all of that because I only came in more recently when they were far more balanced because mm. that I, I don't think I was exposed to much of that. I've been exposed to the reaction of the public against it. Yeah. Or we've been like, oh, yeah, ultra, and then I've been, the way I looked at them from the books that I was reading, uh, from, which were some of the older ones, and then, of course, from the more current lore, I was like, I mean, they are kind of goody two-shoes, but I don't understand why they're getting, so as you explain this to me, I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand why this group at one point would have incurred this sort of dislike, because, unfortunately, somebody else fucked it up for them. Because I think I was, I started getting heavy into the lore, I think, right beforehand, so I was introduced and like, cool, they're like Mario in Mario Kart. Word. He's, he's, least. A, he's an all-rounder, he's Perfect for beginners. Only yeah. a psychopath plays him past that. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and they, well balanced. and they generally try more than the others. They're, they're, they generally try more than the others. They're fine. Yeah. But then it became, they are the exemplary space marine. Right. In this book, it was interesting because I was like, well, shouldn't they, like, by the rules of the Imperium, just shoot new Marnius Calgar, who is... You know, uh, so in the book, Marnius Calgar is taken to the moon to raise, to be trained to be a space marine. And it turns out there's a chaos cult going on. And he calls in the space marines to come help, yada, yada, yada. And they come in and kill all the chaos people because that's what space marines do. Mm -hmm. I expected, though, like, I knew he wasn't because he was the main character. But I kept being like, by the rules of the Imperium, shouldn't you shoot the kid, too? Because he's been tainted by... Chaos? They did have that Inquisitor check on him. Yeah. And it wasn't Grey Knights that saved him. Right. Because they wouldn't They 100% <laughs> would not even have thought about it. They'd they wouldn't probably, have talked to him. Probably just exterminate the planet to just be safe. <laughs> Let's blow up a moon. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> like, no, there's a lot of situations where he would have died, but it, it was... No, it passed, I think. Like, yeah. it's still a, mm -hmm. a reasonable outcome. It's mm -hmm. not too far past... Lore. It, it does <laughs> say a lot, though, that I was like, you didn't murder the child. You really are the good guys. <laughs> but I, and again, like the salamanders and the, and the, the ultramarines, they are the ones who seem to try. They actually like mm -hmm. at least want to give it an effort. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's the needs must or you seem too much or whatever the case may be. And then they, you know, they need what needs to be well, yeah. done. But. I mean, even in this, they automatically were a giant douchebag to the child. After, like, we didn't kill you, but we're going to judge you because you're on your knees for four seconds after killing everyone you've ever known. Well, their humanity is kind of built out of them at that point. Like, they're still technically human, but there's a reason that they're, you know, also very different. Mm -hmm. And they have a hard time dealing Man, with Man, and that's emotions. really arguable at this point, too. Yeah. Once you think about all the things fucking space marines go through, it's like, how human? I don't know how... But I agree, still human. I don't know but, how much mm. it does it in the novels. I wish the lighter fluff, for people like me who don't, you know, haven't read 40 of the 60 Horus Heresy books, saw more of that debate of like, are they human? Because from where I'm sitting, 
the Imperium is portrayed as the good guys. Not the protagonists, but the good guys. Mm. I mean, also protagonists, but you you see the difference of yeah. what I'm oh, making. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that is where the shitty fascists are seeing that part, that level, and not reading the deeper stuff. And not seeing that, like, this is a, you know, blazing indictment in several cases right. of the thing. And they're just being like, fascism is good. It's kind of like, you and I read Machiavelli for Art of War. Yep. Uh, or, and um, Art of War Gaming. And um, we didn't read The Prince, but we talked about The Prince a lot. Because if you're going to talk about Machiavelli, you're going to talk about The Prince. Yeah. And you and I still argue for fun, but argue about whether The Prince is supposed to be satire or not. Right. And there's kind of the question of, is it satire if you cannot tell? Or if it wasn't taken as intended was the other thing. Mm -hmm. like, and, and it's also based on translation. One of the things I was reading recently is that um, a lot of this, like one of the more famous quotes was actually a question in the original rather than a statement. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was, it, it, not, it is better to be feared than loved. But it like is it better to be feared or, than overloved? Is it better to be feared uh, than Oh, yeah, you swap those two and you get a very... Right. Mm -hmm. And so, there was, again, a lot lost in translation and a lot lost in just like... But, you know, Nietzsche was the same way. Nietzsche would have been horrified that the Nazis were so mm -hmm. pro his everything. Because, no, like if you've read his stuff, there was, there was no element of that sort of bullshit in it. In fact, he was directly critical of the society for being that way to begin with. And so it's just asinine to think that way. And I believe, you know, probably Machiavelli would have thought the same too. Looking forward to being like, wait a second, my work's in, in like inspired a generation of jackasses? No, that wasn't, oh, I didn't want that. I think it's one of the things that Marnius Calgar, the, the book we just read though, mm -hmm. did pretty well of, I found Calgar compelling as hell. Every time they like swapped away from his childhood story, I was like, no, go back. <laughs> like, cool, yeah, okay, you've got the big, Rocket launcher, machine gun, don't care. Show me the kid, like, fighting to stay alive on the moon, yada yada. It was a very interesting and, backstory. And even when you see the bits of humanity, I wanted to know more about Calgar. I liked Calgar, but also, every time he was talking about stuff, I was like, oh no, that's... that's not good. <laughs> like, I thought it was also just one of the better, like intros to what is a space marine mm -hmm. that I've ever ran into. Like, I love that they broke down all the different implants that they get. Right. All fucking 19? Uh, I think they said 19. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I think by the time Primaris rolled about, right? Yeah. Because he's the first Primaris. Well, the first dude who crossed the Rubicon Primaris, which is to say converted from being a full space marine to a Primaris after their creation because normally as they're being created gotcha, 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 they're gotcha, immediately gotcha. like they progress into that but like once a person has been a space marine for a while transitioning into a primaris after that is exceptionally painful and most likely lethal okay okay mm -hmm. i get what you're saying um yeah if i want if i needed to introduce someone to what 40k was especially especially the imperium kind of distilled not that I would ever be the person you would ask for this <laughs> <laughs> this is the book i think i would like hand them you got an hour to kill you'll understand enough to like dip it's, a, it's a good first step yeah yeah you get a, a little bit of some of the things you definitely need to know and why people fear and love space marines because right. also if they show up on your side yippee as long as i'm nowhere close to them right uh, and right. the writer was where like a big enough you know fan and like deep enough in that they're talking about 
all sorts of little things that I didn't really understand, but I never felt like I was talked down to for not understanding, like, obscure, crunchy bits. Yeah. While on the other hand, the Sisters of Battle Book, and there were things I liked about it, I found it extremely unfriendly to someone could, stepping into 40k. It could have been done a lot better for that. It, there was a lot of implied information for sure. Yeah, no, I, but I absolutely agree with well, that. Well, and like, okay, so, you know, and as I said, they did, the art I thought was extremely good in that book. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, um, Marnius Calgar has a name. Uh, the, the, you know, the two different Marnius Calgars, they both have personalities. The the various characters stuck out to me, even if I only remember, like, one or two of the names, and I could tell you different things about them. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with the Sisters of Battle book. There was the one girl that was a novitiate who came from the planet. I was about to say, and, and that then there didn't was, end up mattering for the most part. Right. And then there was a bunch of other Sisters of Battle, one of whom was horny for the other, but I could never remember, like, what, and... Not horny, horny, but like, I will die to protect this woman. Well, she died. I was going to say, super sexually repressed horny. Yes. The sisters of battle. (laughs) Uh, No, you're right. They were kind of just nuns with guns. And I mean, it was space nuns with guns. That was cool. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but like, there's a deeper story to be told there too. And, And I think it does take a lot more effort to try to go into that and make it more than just a more surface level thing, I guess, because there was a, there was a depth to the one for Marnius Calgar, mm-hmm. right? There, there was a, there was a richness to that story that I just didn't feel like we got, and the, it wasn't because the sister the sisters are less intriguing by nature. I just think it was more of a well, and I think part of it was trying to tell a different story. This is, I mean, Marnius has his like ongoing. There's a chaos cult arising on his home planet or something right, like right. that, uh, and it's cool, but it's not the point. It is just the like colorful backdrop to what is happening. Sure. There's the chaos cult. Sorry, this is just getting into like the details of the story because they do. both the way they both end. I'm wondering what this Marvel 40k stories are building to, mm. because the relics they, from each story end up in the vault of the same Inquisitor. Oh, I didn't catch that. So, mm. And they're all being like, they're making a point of like they're ending up in this vault at the end of the story. Hmm. So they could have kind of an Infinity Stones thing going down here. Dude, and um, look, I mean, it's unfortunate how often this is used. Inquisitors turn all the fucking time in these stories. All the time. All the time. They all the time. Them. Yeah. Like, that is the go-to, like, the twist is the Inquisitor was working with demons the entire time. <laughs> the first couple of times it happens, you're like, no. And then by like, time 50, you're like, oh, okay, I saw that. Got yeah, the, of the Inquisitor was a dick? Yeah, he's working with demons. He's not a dick? Probably still going to end up working with demons? Or at least exterminating an entire planet for reasons. <laughs> so, still a dick. Um, I do think it might be the... I don't want to say a redeeming factor, but, like, okay, usually when there's something like the Inquisition... I mean, Inquisitions are not good. No. Just as a general no. rule of history, they bad. So having the Inquisition be, like, the good thing going on here, you know, people turning from the Inquisition are the ones that have, like, they've turned evil. It's really disconcerting to me, and I think the kind of only redeeming factor of that is in this world, it really is bad to touch chaos. This is, like, satanic panic from the 80s, but 
with a reason. Real, yes. yeah, quote unquote, real. <laughs> if, like, if it had been a legitimate panic, yeah. yes. Or with the Xenos, like we, I, you know, I was throwing shade earlier at Crippen for burning planets in front of the Tyranids to slow them down so they could formulate a response. That was the option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he chose the option. It was a shitty option, but it was the only way to slow the Tyranids down. So like, yeah, they're they're horrible people, but they're they have to be question mark to fight the horrors that they are fighting. Well, I mean, because oh, we haven't even talked about like chaos. this. This is hard for the Space Marines to get shit done because all of the other fucking crazy ass factions in this universe. Mm-hmm. And there's only there's so few. Like, because of the proliferation of Space Marine stories, it's almost assumed that they're just, like, this prolific uh, amount of, of them just throughout the galaxy. But there's only a few thousand Space Marines for each chapter, and there's only, like, 40 chapters. Well, there's a, there's a yeah. shit ton of chapters, but we're, you're, not, you're not talking many more than, like, I think, it's, I, I think somebody had calculated out as being, like, maybe a few million or something yeah. along those lines in total. A high world has more people than the entire yes. Space Marine army. Now, I... Lots, lots. They often say that all it takes is like a couple space marines to, to like take over a planet. So they are very effective at what they do, but mm-hmm. there's so few of them compared to just everything else going on in 40k. Well, Which, and like yeah. the reason, the, the reason you can go to an ultramarine planet and everything looks okay, is because they choose to only defend 500 planets. Right. The 500 so they can worlds. keep track of it. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're not stretching themselves too thin. They will occasionally send out forces, especially because there's so fucking many successor chapters of Ultramarines. Mm-hmm. Like, they will send people off to do shit and help do things in the galaxy, but not to the point of the others that are all, like, wandering around and being like, fuck, there's Chaos, we gotta thwart it. Fuck, there's Xenos, we gotta thwart it. They're like, nah, we're just gonna keep these 500 planets good. Mm-hmm. But there's... 500,000 more planets. Right. It's Daredevil and Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Daredevil keeps, like, he'll go other places if he needs to, but Daredevil's thing is he takes care of this part of New York, or, like, Luke Cage and the Bronx. Gotcha. And that doesn't mean that he won't go punch Dr. Doom in his fucking helmet if it needs to, or if he owes Luke Cage $200. (laughs) Go listen to one of our old uh, word balloons, I think, that covers that. But his his goal is the small scale, so other people, the Avengers, can go handle the big scale. And there's, like, good sides and downsides of that. Because, like, yeah, you could do more, Batman. There's more than just Gotham. But also, Gotham keeps you pretty fucking busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can alter. Anyway. <laughs> they have good sides and downsides. Again, they, they try to do right, but they do right only by a few. And their worlds are very manicured and pleasant to visit and that sort of thing, but it's done also at a, a heavy social cost. And you know, there's, there's always a drawback mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every single one of them has, has that way. But yeah, the, yeah. So the, most of the, the, the galaxy is just pure terror and like, there's far more Imperial guard. Like uh, when it comes to the ability of humanity to defend itself, you're looking at primarily Imperial guard. But when I think of Imperial guard, no matter what's going on, I think of D-Day. Yeah, oh, like yeah. when that drops and like D-Day, Stalingrad, any other <laughs> place where you just have like people marching into the maw of violence and just being like, you know, if we bury them in bodies, they can't fight. Right? Yeah. You can get up any like there is actually a story, like a hero within the Imperial Guard lore of a general who they were going against this insurmountable like mm-hmm. cactus or cactus. Cactus <laughs> castle that had like these these like impenetrable walls and that sort of thing. So he literally just kept marching men at the walls until they piled up to a ramp and then drove over. And he was a celebrated general. They were like, Oh, that was brilliant. 
So yeah, yeah. To be to be in the guard is not a good thing. You do not want that. So he's Grant in the Civil War. Oh, so much worse. <laughs> but yeah, but dialed up to twenty. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Imperial as as far as like Imperial side goes, I'm a bit of a white scars man myself. I was cool. gonna ask this. What is your uh, what is your favorite? Chapter. I assume you are Dark Angels. God, I just have to be. I have to be. Because you Angels. joined a fucking Belagarth unit named the Dark Angels. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> White Scars followed very closely by Blood Angels. When I was looking into getting into stuff, because it kind of feels like if you're going to play 40k, you will at some point dabble with the Space Marines just because they are the like standard. And, and you can, there's so many different ways to play them. The Space Marines have like 90 or more data sheets in their codex. Mm-hmm. For instance, if like you're playing the, the main codex and then one of the supplements, which you have to, unless you just want to do vanilla, which is, <laughs> don't do that. Um, but uh, so as a, as a comparison, my Knight codex has 10-ish data sheets for everything in there. And most of them are a very, actually all of them are a variation on three different chassis. So mm-hmm. like... That mean that there's a whole lot to the Space Marines, but that means you can play them a lot of different ways. Like if you want to do a heavy tank line, you know, some Iron Hands, you can go in tank line Iron Hands. If you want to do some biker shit and you want to blast around like the White yeah, Stars, go space in Space like Mongols. That. Mm-hmm. If you want to That's... be like the Church Knights of like the goddamn uh, like like Catholic Paladins, like, yeah. I mean, like incense on everything. The Dark Angels are like, <laughs> I'm going to put incense on fucking everything. Where you're going to sit here and chant. In like go- low gothic style chant and like you can. The moment you told too. me they were the Catholics of the already spaced Catholic army, I was like, "Yep, that's the one Malark's going to go for." Yeah. If you want to be um, frat boys dressed up as Vikings, you got space wolves, right? See, right? when I Vikings was in space, when I was younger and like looking into I it, don't do Viking shit. Sorry, that's a. <laughs> at first, I was like, "Yeah, the space wolves," but the more I read about the space wolves, the less I liked them. They're frat boys, uh, <laughs> and there's nothing like I, I get why people like them. I mean, we have a friend with a space wolf tattoo. It's look, it looks really good. I think I like the white scars partially just because in the last ten years I've really fallen in love with the Mongols as like an ancient group, and I love motorcycles. And these are motorcycle Mongols. You know, what else do I need? I also have to say, you could come over to the Dark Angel no. side because because Dark Angels are known for their two company. Like they're they're in mm-hmm. a regular chapter. Speaking of Codex compliant chapters, mm-hmm. uh, Guleman, who's the Primarch of the uh, Ultramarines, he wrote the Codex. And as you deviate from that, you become non-Codex compliant. The Dark Angels are very non-Codex compliant, and one of the big ways this is is because their first and second companies are not set up the same way that everybody else's are. Their first company is all Terminators. So these are all just chonky boys marching around, uh, you know, holding objectives like motherfuckers, and I love them. Second company is all motorbikes. Mm-hmm. On the, 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 and they're called, like, the, the, the bosses there are the Black Knights. <laughs> they're rolling around, and they look very much like, like the medieval kind of knight thing going on. And it's, it's very strong as well. The Ravenwing is what they're called, and the Ravenwing is very strong. Whenever I take long motorcycle trips, I have this kind of, like fantasy story that develops in my head that will never go anywhere because there's not actually like a plot to Mm -hmm. it but it's basically just like tell a straight up high fantasy classic fantasy story but everyone has motorcycles instead of (laughs) horses and when you're going across eastern Montana which is you get on and you go in a straight line for 400 miles and it's gorgeous and it's great but like there is a point where you have to keep your brain moving or you're going to start to drift to the side like yeah uh 
Yeah, so I, you know, imagine, like, the battles and stuff, but it's all on motorcycles and jousting and all the things that you should definitely never do on motorcycles. And when I think of that when I, like, was looking into the White Scar lore. Mm-hmm. Also, they use a lot of lightning bolts in their iconography. Yeah, and uh, I can't in, beat that. in Belagarth, I do a lot of lightning bolt stuff. Hey, <laughs> well, if you want to choose a chaos faction... My night lords fucking love lightning bolts. And so, yeah, that's the other side. So you have the chaos. So during the Horus Heresy, which is the books that I'm reading right now, that was when uh, chaos kind of uh, seeped into the Space Marine Legions, and half of them fell to the chaos gods uh, through war, the, the war master Horus and uh, waged a war on Terra. After, like, decimating uh, a shit ton of the Space Marines and, like, the surprise attack at Isfahan. We won't go into that right now, though. <laughs> but uh, they also have their own flavors, too. There's also a really a, a whole lot of flavors there, too. And honestly, um, obviously, your your favorite, night, uh, you're the Night Lords. Followed closely by uh, Thousand Suns. That's the Thousand mummy Suns. ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thousand Suns are cool. Um, I know the mummy ones, and I know the Plague Marines, who I think are gross. Um, <laughs> that's the Death Guard. Okay. Death Guard. I, 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 the two that I like the most are on the two opposite ends of giving a fuck about the chaos gods. I love the word bearers. Okay. Because they're just, the way they are is so cool. Like everything is just filigree, but like chaos filigree on Mm -hmm. all of their things. They have these like intricate tattoos that are just like prayers and spells and shit. And they're all just about, like they they praise all the different gods and draw in boons and stuff. And they are, I hope that like the chaos space marine book is coming out soon. And I hope they get some justice because they have been so fucking weak for so long, but they're so cool in the lore. So I like them, and then I like the Iron Warriors, who are like okay. the siege experts, who yeah. are just kind of like, they are so bitter, and they are so angry. They're like the, the, you have the Imperial Fists, who are like, we can build it, we can make it stronger. And then you have the Iron <laughs> we Warriors. we build it? Yes, we can. <laughs> you have the Iron Warriors, they're like, I will tear that shit down. I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and they, because like, Perturbo is this like mathematical genius, and yeah, I, and so like the, 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 the two there, you know, Lorgar, Perturbo, Word Bearers, uh, uh, Iron Warriors, I, I like them both very much. So this question is almost antithetical to our show, which is a podcast about liking things. But do you have a least favorite ultra or not ultramarine a space marine oh, chapter? Because I know your answer is the fucking ultramarines. But, I mean, uh, look, I partially play that up for fun. Let me oh, think about course. no, this I understand. I also hate things for fun. I honestly don't. I've honestly thought about this sort of thing, and every time the unfortunate thing is these authors are so damn good at their job that the second I get done reading a book about the Imperial Guard, I'm like, you know what? I want to play Imperial Guard. Second time I get done reading a book about the Black Templars, I'm like, I want to play Black Templars. Mm-hmm. I, I went into this being like, Space Wolves. I get done reading a Space Wolf book, and I'm like, yes, I want to play some Space Wolves. Like, yeah, so honestly, that's because inaccurate Viking shit is really cool. Yeah. Why do you think it keeps winning people say, over? In a weird way, Space Wolves are my actual least favorite, but yeah. only because I want to like them more than mm-hmm. I can ever end up liking them when I start getting into the fluff. That's because pretty accurate to what I was... That, that explains my feelings. When you when get into the back. fluff, they don't do Viking shit. No. They don't go on raids. And weirdly, until the Siege of Fenris, most authors sort of let them live in their own world, yeah. where they weren't even really part of the grim darkness of everything else. They got into just enough shit that they got to, like, add more legends to sing about while fucking drinking mead. They just sort of hang out in the fang, though. We like axes, <laughs> and we put bear skins on our armor. See, we're Vikings. And then there was the weird period where everything had wolf in the name. 
Yeah. Oh god. Why? They, they, oh, I'm getting so many Bellagarth new people like flashbacks. All, of, all um, of the all of the new Primaris. Just as a, a quick rant about this, all the Primaris stuff is eyes. It's all in inceptors, mm. intercessors, and in, I'm sitting here being in, incestors. Like we're, we're <laughs> I understand. Like, and so I'm kind of glad that I've I've been quitting the space marine stuff because I'm like I can't remember which I'm supposed to be dealing with here. So the wolf, yeah, obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah, I want to like them so much, and I just can't. Whenever I actually get into them. I'm like, Fair no, enough. fucking, this is so annoying. God damn it. Why, guys? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I do. I mean, I think that they're all pretty cool. They all have their, their own merits, their own, like, unique stories that they tell through the different mm-hmm. perspectives and everything. Same thing with the chaos. I mean, I hate all of the chaos ones by nature. Like, all of them are, like, evil, evil. Like, the, the Imperium is, like, not good. They're not good guys. But, like... The Chaos Marines are like evil, evil. Like the the, the word mm-hmm. bearers come to your planet and everybody getting sacrificed, like put on pikes in the most painful way possible. Uh, the the world leaders come into your planet, they will just murder everybody wholesale. Men, women, children, no problem, whatever. No, yeah, Night Lords were literally the Imperium's terrorists. And they will do it for fun. <laughs> they enjoy, well, all these guys enjoy their work, but like the Night Lords are just, they're just so that little bit of budget. Lower better. kill counts than most of the other legions, though. True. Which was part of Conrad Kurz's point. He's more, like, more enjoyment. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why do people heap praise on the Space Wolves when we do the same thing with a tenth of the casualties? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because again, he'd, he, you know, he'd, he'd butcher an entire city and make a, like a massive cross out of all the bodies and be like, hey, everybody else you sh- should surrender. And they'd be like, yes, <laughs> you goddess. <laughs> so they had a point. I mean, historically, does not work in the long term. No, and it didn't there. Oh, no, it didn't work yeah. for <laughs> No, I mean, like the second he left Nostromo, went back to being just as corrupt and just as evil as there was before he left. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the Legion's been slowly him. dying for 10,000 years. It, that's fine. I like the underdogs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're all very compelling, too, in terms of just, like, story. Mm-hmm. And and there is, of course, some sympathy that you can draw, especially from the Horus Heresy stuff, before they turned, before they went evil. And, like, Perturbo, for instance, like, this just, this lost genius, this unpraised genius that was just put out to the, like, he was out in the, uh, out in the uh, like, outer dark, working in the worst conditions with very little support, losing, like, he lost most of his legion all the time. They were the biggest recruiters because they lost so many people in these attrition and the siege stuff. And he was doing it in the name of the emperor, but here he got the imperial fists. They built a fucking fort. Woo! <laughs> like, they get parades and shit, whereas, like, everybody's like, okay, cool, we'll send maybe some more tanks to... So he just becomes very embittered by this, by the fact that, like... Daddy didn't love me, but like in an almost legit way. So, and then of course he's. It's easy to sympathize when you're like, "Wow, this Imperium kind of sucks." Yeah, yeah. But then they're like, "Oh man, oh." Then you went too far. Oh, you took it in directions <laughs> I was not approving of. <laughs> you went too far with it. <laughs> back it up, back it up, back it up. <laughs> Conrad Kurz could see the future and knew exactly what the Emperor's plans were for him. He knew exactly how he was going to die too, and was kind of pissed off about it from the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was also knew that he was created to be this. Yep. Um, usually it's around this point that we start wrapping up because we are running out of things to say. Clearly, we are we, nowhere oh, we done with forever. potential. Oh, forever. Yeah. <laughs> there are podcasts that do nothing but talk about Warhammer fluff for over 100 episodes. Oh, I've, so, yeah, one of my favorites is still going. It's I Lorehammer. Yeah, Lorehammer. Um, yeah, and they continue to fight. Like, they've been talking about just the lore, straight up lore, this entire time, and they are not running out. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm going to ask here, 
Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts before we dive in? Just so we don't do this for another three hours. Oh, no, that's fine. Let me think um, for a second. Last thought. And so we can do more episodes in the future about this. Sure, sure. Um, if you like, if your favorite army is the Dark Eldar, you're a sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, because that just means you are, your favorite army is the, like... TV bad description or bad understanding of BDSM. That's a very kind way of putting that. <laughs> Dialed up to 20. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a dark Eldar, but they're, you know, extra horny, violent drow. Oh, um, we, we could go into like 10,000 more words about <laughs> about the, the Eldari too. Like, when I first came in, it was the same thing as the Space Marines. People were like, oh, Space Elves. And then you started to like look into their lore and look into the characters, and you're like, wow, this is a massively compelling universe here that I haven't even gotten into. I've just been reading Imperium stuff. I need to get into some of the more Eldar stuff, because it's one of the only other non-human factions that really has good material to it. Ooh, I actually have a different last yeah, thought. Yeah, go ahead. Fuck yes, yeah, squats are back. Yeah, no shit, dude. Squats. Space, Space dwarves. Oh, yeah, okay. That was one of the things. I'm like, maybe I'll play. And they're like, space stars don't exist anymore. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, they um, do. A whole new line of miniatures and, and a codex and everything. Are they out. part of the Imperium? Yep. Okay. No, no, no. They're all their own thing. Sorry. They're their own, like, their own em- empire. Yeah, that, I mean, they're not squats anymore, right? Like no, Sons yeah, of Voton yeah. or something yeah, like that. Sons of Voltun. Voltun, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> are they still space bikers? Not from what I've been seeing. Not from okay. the models. I like they've, they've got some like super. Because that was the part that was. I mean, stuff. I grew up around bikers, so I know exactly so how I, dumb part of the culture is. So wait, but no. if, there, if there are, if there are. Uh, hey man, you want to start buying me armies? We can possibly talk about it. You know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> On the next episode, when Thumbs is a hardcore, uh, I run 40K four player. podcasts, <laughs> three podcasts these days. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. Okay. No, I'm good. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been yeah. a blast. Uh, for the books itself, I I can recommend Marnius Calgar to anyone who is interested in 40k or has, like me has some kind of side awareness to it. Sisters of Battle. You better like Sisters of Battle before you step into it, is my opinion. If you want to, like, I'm kind of curious about what they are. I don't know what you should check out. Probably not this one. And I'm sorry to the creators. It was still a decent book. Yeah. But it's just not a, it's not your beginner book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was for people who already know what's going on. Yeah. It's for (laughs) fans of the Sisters of Battle. Yes. Uh, Any recommendations? Um, you know what, fuck it, since I've brought them up enough times, I will recommend the first book in the uh, Night Lords trilogy, Soul Hunter by Aaron Dembski-Bowden, follows the uh, 7th Company of the 10th Warband Night Lords. God, I hope I got that right. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's First Claw, it's Talos Valkorin, the prophet of the Night Lords, who has inherited their Primarch's gift of foresight. Also his nutty butterness. Hmm? Also his his. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And him having to deal with the situation they find themselves in because, uh, yeah, the Night Lords are not in a good place. Uh, Have not been since the scattering to the point where theoretically there could be loyalist Night Lord legions out there still. (laughs) Or warbands. You can thank the Dark Angels for that. What up? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it is some of the best just chaos books written 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just in general, gives them a depth while still not shying away from the fact that no, you're reading a book about a f- bunch of fucking psychopaths. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just that Talos at least is old school Night Lord, which is more what I like, which is um, like not trucking with ruinous powers and right. uh, being a traitor rather than chaos. Right, right. Okay, I can see how that'd be interesting. And they don't necessarily consider themselves to be traitors. They consider the Emperor to have betrayed them. So, Interesting. Lurk, lurk? Anything from the Horus Heresy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, starting at the beginning with the first heretic, ki- like, that's kind of the beginning point, but really any of the books can be standalone. Like, you can go in and pick up any of the Horus Heresy books, whichever one speaks to you. I went in and got the Dark Angels ones first, because that's where I was going to say, started. is there one that you, like, while reading this, would be like... Descent, this would be a super good start point. Descent of Angels was one of my was actually where I started in the Horus Heresy, and it was fantastic. But honestly, my favorite Horus Heresy book so far would be Mechanicum, and it talks about the beginnings of the Dark Mechanicum and like the history of the Mechanicum and and, and, and like the 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 packs that I was talking about, mm-hmm. the fact that there are empires existing next to each other, like all of that stuff is in Mechanicum, which is also just like technologically fascinating. Just it's a really really cool world. So I mean, again, any of the Horus Heresy is cool, but. If you like shiny stuff like I do, Mechanicum, probably. I'm having fucking flashbacks to the fact that you used to make fun of me for reading the Rogue Squadron books from Star Wars. Um. Because it was Star Wars. People were getting blown to pieces every five seconds. It was hippie um. stuff. <laughs> Not Rogue Anyways, uh, real quick, it's fine if you don't. Do you remember the names of those authors of those two books? Oh, Lord. I know, I know um, that's a heavy question for a 60-book series, but... I, again, I know John French is heavily contributing. He's the one... He's, he's, wrote the one that I'm reading right now. Tomorrow. I just mean for the two books that you... Yeah. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, probably Dan Abnett. He writes a lot of the a Dark Angels. Look, I got... Mechanicum? And Descent of Angels. Uh, Graham McNeil's Mechanicum. Graham McNeil, yep. I recognize that name just from seeing it on covers. He's a so. huge contributor and he's fantastic. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Scanlon for uh, Descent of Angels. Mitchell Scanlon. Okay. Yeah, all good. Um, yeah, I would any of it. Honestly, I love the. I haven't. I've have yet to read a Warhammer book that I did not like. I started one of the Horus Heresy book audiobooks, and like the first time I was listening to it, I was into it, and the second time, for whatever reason, I was in the wrong headspace, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm gonna go back to it." It's like I fucking hate this. <laughs> so I'm dead. I'm not challenging your recommendation. I just like, I I can see why you why it's working for you. It's a violent philosophy. Like every single it's, one of the books asks a question. Like it's all about what is loyalty? You know, who should one be loyal to? Uh, what what sort of concepts, what sort of uh, approaches to war are justified? What is just it? Like there's a whole lot of deep stuff that gets asked in between people getting blown apart by, you know, some rocket launcher machine. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I've got two quick, uh, one just because I thought of it a second ago. Audible has been redoing all of the Rogue, or probably not Audible, but they're on Audible, all of the Rogue Squadron books from the Star Wars Legends stuff back in the day. Um, And those have only ever been collected in the uh, abridged forms as audiobooks before. Mm. And the abridged forms are fucking awful. Like a 12-hour audiobook got condensed down to three, which means they cut out like 75% of the book. Yeah, what's the point of even... Just get spark notes at that point. I, I remember not realizing that and putting on the audiobook and being like, I, it's been a while since I read this book, but 
didn't like 10 chapters happen between this scene? <laughs> like, um, I you hate that. But this is, it's, um, they're just really well done. Like all of the Star Wars audiobooks right now are being pretty well. And because they're doing some of the old school expanded universe stuff, but they've had time and separation, they can just pick the ones worth reading. Which, with the expanded universe, is not all of them. Sure. And then the one I was really going to do is Wicked Plus Divine by Kieran Gillen and J.B. McKelvey. I might have done it as a recommendation before. I put it in one of the top five comic books of the last 20 years. It's okay. fucking incredible. Uh, Kieran Gillen wrote Marnie's Calgar, right. which is why I'm thinking of this. The plot line of this, Gillen does a lot of music-based stuff. Music ties into a lot of his uh, comics, and he actually did a dance party at San Diego Comic-Con for like 10 years straight, like DJ'd it. Um, but Wicked Plus Divine, I've tried to get you to read it before, but you and fiction. Yeah. Um, every, I think it's 80 years, the gods come back. They live for one year where they are fucking rock stars, and then they all die. Might be two years, but... Mm -hmm. And in this case, they are literal rock stars. So it is an examination of our parasocial relationship with celebrities, what it's like to be a celebrity, mm -hmm. and connecting it to mythology. So, like, uh, uh, Odin does a whole lot of, like, techno... You know, weird techno shit and it's kind of creepy about it uh <laughs> who's the wine god in the greeks i'm blanking his name uh, uh um, bacchus bacchus i think it is does like or a Dion dionysus dionysus does a whole bunch of like drug-based rave stuff and, and like he gets to enjoy the rave experience but he hasn't been able to stop the rave he just has a constant rave going for the last like at the start of this like year six months whatever it is he can't sleep he looks after the people in it but like it's kind of coming apart and it's like how would we deal with gods in the social world like there's fan bases there's fucking fan groups on facebook that are like tracking these people right uh lucifer is basically david bowie nice in this and she kills someone or possibly kills someone is accused of murder what does she do like if you know she can blow someone's head up by snapping her fingers. She could just leave prison if she wanted to. Does she stay and, like, go through this court case while everyone is pretty sure that she killed them, this guy, because she's Lucifer? Right. Mm -hmm. Or does she just leave? Does that cause more problems? There's only, like, 10 or 15 of these gods. Do they... Like, they could do untold damage, but the whole world against them, would they survive? In the meantime, there's this fangirl who's kind of the main character who um, wants to be one of these gods so bad. She She's connecting with the music of these gods, following all of their stuff in the, only the way a 15-year-old can. Yeah. You know, in the same way I that do we same. followed no. all of, like, our bands that we connected so closely to at 15. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then she gets it. Spoiler alert. She becomes a god. What happens then when you suddenly achieve everything you've ever wanted and, like, you've kind of slowly 
entered into this world of like seeing your celebrities, meeting your celebrities, fucking a couple of your celebrities. She's like 18, not 15. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, I caught myself there. But, you know, she's, <laughs> she's a teenager still living at home, but she is a barely an adult. I mean, most of these people are like early 20s, late teens, early 20s. They're not like, you know, one of the gods was, I think Hermes was like 12. So he doesn't, he's not involved in the fucking stuff, but he's like, great news, I'm a god. Bad news, I'm not going to make it to 15. How do I live with that? Depressing. Um, It's a wild book, and I am just scratching the surface of like all of the things that it tackles. And I haven't even finished the series, and I list it as one of the best series of the past 20 years. Hmm. Uh, so yes, Wicked plus Divine, and it's a plus sign. Uh, that's my recommendation. Mark, thank you so much for joining us, hey, as always. Uh, where can people find you? I'm at the the Art of War Gaming. We're on Facebook and Instagram, but to be honest, I don't post there very often. You're better uh, off listening to the show itself, which can be spot found on Spotify and whatnot. And I think it's part of the Yervirm network. So it's anywhere where, if you can find this, you can find that. It is yep. the Art of War Gaming. Make sure you have the the when looking it up. It is part of the name, and is why we abbreviate it as Tau. Uh, <laughs> Unintentional, I assure you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next time, we will be doing another... We're doing a lot of stuff we've been talking about since the very beginning. That's right. Uh, We will be tackling our first Grendel by Matt Wagner episode. We don't know yet if it's going to be all of the Grendel episodes in a row or just... Here and there. As we go. But uh, I love doing the in the row ones, but it just takes... Forever, mm-hmm. uh, we will be covering the era of the quote unquote original Grendel, all of the Hunter Rose stories, which is what the upcoming Netflix series is right going to be covering. So, and like if you happen to own the omnibus editions or know someone who does or can get your hands on them, it's basically the first omnibus. And if you don't, good fucking luck. They're like nine hundred bucks when they're out of print. They are impossible to find. But in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm podcast network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.